Uh, did you were you able to catch the uh, Shingo Will Osprey match? I watched it yesterday, right before Dynamite. Actually, so oh, cool. um, I was like in and out. Like I had one of my buddies over, so we were kind of talking while the match was on. But from what I could tell from the match, I mean, it looked pretty incredible. Like um, that four fifty off the top through the table was nasty. Um, the finish was great. How about like the the somersault off of the like clothesline attempt to the Oz cutter like that? I mean, the stuff that Will Osprey does is 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 wild, and we'll we'll probably you know definitely talk more about that. Um, I don't know if that's the best opening topic, so I guess we'll kind of see what's up. Um, what 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 do you want to start off with? I'm cool with whatever, man. I mean, I know you want to talk like the peacock stuff. Um, I mean, I'm pumped because this is this stream here is my pregame to 3 a.m. Eastern time because I'm staying up for Mighty Ducks, baby. So, oh, all right, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Um, that reunion photo got you, huh? It really did. It really brought back hope. And I also paused the tra- the second trailer, like on the spot where it had like the mom was looking him up on the internet, and it yeah. was like, a picture of him. And I read the article. And I was like, oh, okay, like, they're giving Bombay, like, mad respect for being one of the best, like, coaches of all time. So, like, it looks like he accomplished a lot after D3, and then something had recently happened right before this show picks up. So, if they can explain it in that kind of way, I, it could be good, I think. I wonder what happens that that ruined his life. That's what I want to know. I, I know. That's the question. How are they going to do this? Um and you probably won't find out till maybe episode two. I don't know. We'll see. That sucks though because what they do is they release them every week, so you have to wait once a week, and it it drags. But you know you can't binge it like Netflix. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Peacock because I came out with a video, kind of warning people what could happen. And saying, like, what if they decide that, like, they don't like this content, like a Benoit or whatever, something that's offensive, and they try to get rid of it. I really was hoping that wasn't going to be the case. I was, you know, it seemed like the the new corporate way was to put a disclaimer on something and then let it be. But I, I have no faith now. We're in trouble. Like... They said that they are going to have 17,000 hours to review and decide what fits their standards for Peacock. And yeah. this, this is what frustrates me, is why is wrestling being treated like this and their other content isn't? Because if you want to go with racist stuff, if you want to go with misogynistic stuff like you can go down and find plenty of stuff on those tv shows on those movies but wrestling is apparently treated as a different standard why is that yeah it doesn't make much sense because like i'm a huge fan of the show the office and like there's plenty of stuff that's no longer cool like like, you immediately think stanley can play basketball because he's black and he's (laughs) terrible right (laughs) right but he immediately thinks that that is a stereotypical thing, right? Yeah, the whole show. That, I mean, could that be offensive? What what Dwight says on certain things? I mean, it could be absolutely offensive to people, and yet they're going to let all that slide. But yet, wrestling 
has to be looked at in a completely different level. Why is that? Unfortunately, I think it's kind of like it's going to be more and more not even wrestling related. Like this kind of stuff really does worry me. I talked about with Jesse on our live chat. I know you watched that, but like it's yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things with wrestling. I've said this before. I get the Benoit thing. Like if NBC doesn't want anything to do with the name Chris Benoit, they don't want to have his matches included or try to like race him out of history the best they can. I understand that. Like I, I get that, but who part of it is like, who is like, who makes this decision? Like, like who gets chosen as the, like the person who is the moral compass for everybody and gets to decide like, because imagine if they just like cut stone cold out because of his past and like what he represented or DX because of all the suckets and the, the poker games when you know, China's holding the giant sausage and whatnot. I mean, there's, it's so much of the history of what made people tune in on Mondays. look, Look at Hulk Hogan. Like what happens if they literally try to erase Hulk Hogan, you are talking about nitro gone. You were talking about all WCW pay-per-views gone. You were talking about a whole entire era of a bunch of people's childhoods gone because this guy was caught on tape saying the N-word at one point of his life that he has apologized for. So it's like, what what point are we at to where we literally are not giving anybody a second chance and we are trying to erase them from history? Like, this is psychotic, crazy nonsense we're dealing with right now. And I'm not comfortable with it. And, like, the fact that you're going to have, like, Stone Cold, every time he does the bird, flip someone off, they're probably going to blur it out. Like, it, it's just insane to me. Because you, you're not doing this to other content. You have no respect for pro wrestling, yet you spent all this money on it. That's what bothers me. You paid the $200 million a, a year to have this on your network and your corporate bullcrap is trying to take away the history of wrestling because people are offended on certain things that aren't even that offensive. Now, granted, the Roddy Piper stuff, I understand. Blackface is just an absolute no-no at this point in society. I get it. Um, Vince saying the N-word. Okay, yeah. And just bleep it out. I don't understand why you have to delete the whole segment. You can just bleep it out. It it bothers me that pro wrestling has to live up to a corporate standard. I mean, this is literally like if the right to censor was in charge of the WWE Network. And you're trying to watch the Attitude Era and then Stevie Richards and Ivory and Val Venus pop up and be like, no, no, no. You can't watch this. Like... This is craziness. And then you you look at Peacock, right? And what are they promoting? Jump, The Jump, Bellas, The Rock's new show, SNL, like that The Rock was on. Like this isn't for wrestling fans. This is for your corporate BS uh, that have no clue what people want. And I'm seeing this this corporation nonsense take over Disney. I'm seeing them take over Warner Brothers. I mean, if you look at the Justice League, universally, everyone loved it. Absolutely loved the extended Snyder Cut. And the first thing 
that the the Warner the head of Warner Brothers Media comes out and she says it's dead. We are no longer doing anything with it. Like, do fans not matter anymore? Do they not care about what people that really pay and consume these products think? It just it, it blows me away. Yeah, it's wild. I don't know if you just heard that. Wow, yeah, I did. Yeah, I, just so y'all know, everyone, if I lose connection right or something, after my rant. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like, and if I'm lying, God strike me down right, right now. Exactly. Um, I'm. I live uh, in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and we have like, it's like tornadoes and and stuff. It's like pretty serious weather. So I, if I cut out, my internet goes out. That's the reason why y'all. And that's the reason you, you might hear some thunder and rain going again. That's why I'm in my living room versus my office and stuff tonight. But uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's it's interesting with the with the peacock thing. I mean, I don't like. It's part of what's like mind boggling to me too is like. So most of the stuff that they're going to want to censor or erase or whatever they're going to do with that time frame of wrestling, the quote unquote attitude era type stuff, like. Do, how how do people not realize like that was a show that wasn't for kids then it was it wasn't rated PG then it was a different product for a completely different demographic it wasn't putting out a giant net of exclusive of of uh, inclusiveness like like today's product is where you're trying to get fans of all backgrounds and all ages and and all everything back then it was just like there was but there was like 10 million people watching on Mondays like people were into it it was a product that was targeted and during a different time frame. Uh, you know, and and all these things, and now it's a it's a PG rated show that's totally different. And I don't know why people can't just make that just adults being adults and going, oh, okay, so this was from 1997. I I don't really agree with the thing that just happened on that show, but like it was in 1997. Oh, this was rated NC17 or whatever. This was for adults. Okay, well, you know, adults can be adults and kind of choose what they want to consume. If, if there was, there's a reason why in the PG era of professional wrestling on, on Monday Night Raw, you're not seeing any of the things we saw in the late 90s, a lot of which was what made wrestling popular to begin with, by the way. So it's like, it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how, like, I think everybody, I mean, I'm sure there's some really like narrow-minded people out there that, that wouldn't agree, but I think for the most part, most people can, can, can look at this and be like, okay, there is a lot of stuff that isn't cool to do and say anymore, but like if you don't keep doing and saying it, it doesn't mean it has to be completely taken out of history either. Like, like and just pretend like it never happened. And it's so, it's weird to me. There are certain things. Sure. Like, but that's, it's like a few outlying cases that I would say, like the things that you mentioned, yep. like a Benoit, the N word, um, you know, things that are like super uh, blackface, hey, like you shouldn't like, you know, the Kurt Angle bestiality sex thing, right? Like he was basically saying that he wanted to have bestiality sex because she, uh, she was black. Like that's what he was basically referring to. That was the undertone of it. So I understand how some people would be offended by that. Again, though, I don't necessarily think that you have to just erase it. Put a disclaimer, say that this is not what we believe in in today's society. Put whatever corporate spin you want to put it's what, on. That's what Disney does, right? Exactly. But, that. but like Disney does it with the Muppets. You know what I mean? Like, like stuff right. that's not even overly offensive, they do this stuff. 
So, like, when you give them this type of ammo, when they see Katie Vick, when they see Kai and Ty chopping off Val Venus's stuff, like Mark Henry giving birth or May Young giving birth to a hand for Mark Henry, like, these things are not going to make it. I'm telling you right now, they're not going to make it. And well, and also the Disney stuff, to be fair, that stuff was aimed at kids to begin with. Like the stuff that they're going to want to censor was not like that. There was not for kids. Like, I don't know why people don't get that. What if the nation of domination is viewed as offensive? You know what I mean? Even You're though talking- it was empowering too. Yeah. Even though it was like right. actually like a, a positive message. But it, yeah. it's, it's an incorrect stereotype. Right. And so you're talking about deleting so much stuff of the rock. And this is what pisses me off too. You have no problem promoting young rock, your, your NBC show with the rock, but yet you're going to try to take away his whole freaking early career that made him a superstar because stuff is offensive. Like it's bull crap either. And this is the thing. They don't care. They don't care. They're worried about their bottom line. They're worried about being in trouble for race issues. So they go over the top and be over apologetic. And it's not like they really care because if they really cared, they would make sure to go after all content. They're not doing that, nor do I want them to because like you said, who is it that's going out there and determining what is offensive and what is not? I mean, there's literally some people that think Luke Skywalker is offensive because he's white. So it's like, right. do you do immediately just delete Luke because he's white? Because we need a more diverse culture? Like, this is insanity. Honestly, what I think is going to eventually happen, I don't know how long it's gonna, how long it's going to take, but eventually... I think this is going to happen to so many things that it it, start, it like bounces back the other direction, like majorly. Because yeah. I think at some point, it's something's going to happen. Because because when you think about it, like pro wrestling and all the stuff we talked about, but then I've, I've mentioned on my show with Jesse, any Nickelodeon cartoon that any of us grew up with, there's something offensive in every single one of those. That would to yeah. today's standard would be different. Um, any pretty much anything you liked. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, I don't want to like single out, but like rap music, there's a lot of like rap videos and stuff that are like, su- like that, but it, but it gets passed by as art versus, so there's like different standards to it, but how is pro wrestling not also art? Like, I don't like who decides what is and isn't okay. Like there are certain things you can do in music videos, not just rap. I just use that as, as an example. Cause like, there's a lot of examples of it, but there's plenty of other genres that there, there's music videos. Like it could be a rock, a rock um, song and there's like strippers in the music video. But if you were stripping on YouTube, like as a YouTube creator, like you'd be against the terms of service, but because it's right. in a music video, it's seen as art and it's seen differently. So it's like, who, who really, who gets to decide this, who gets to decide what is and isn't okay. And, and when, and I think kind of slowly, but surely like this will happen to wrestling. This will happen to Nicktoons. This will happen to all your favorite movies. This will happen to your, your favorite action figures. This will happen to your favorite um, athletes. This will happen to so many different people that eventually someone's got a lot of people collectively just put their foot down and be like, y'all it's either all okay or none of it's okay. We either have no entertainment or it's all okay. We just got to put disclaimers on stuff saying like, this is when these things took place. And if things change in the future, then you got to maybe change your views on what you're seeing. Right. um, But I don't know when that's going to happen. And here's the thing there, there are, I just want to say there are certain things that I do think are okay to like, 
you know, there are, there are certain things that I would be okay with getting rid of on a personal level. Cause like, there are certain things that I really, really disagree with on a personal level, but at the same time, like who am I to say what's okay for you to look at if you don't feel the same way I do, you know what I mean? Well, and not only that, I mean, there's, there's stuff called heel heat, right? And so like the Mr. McMahon character got heel heat by telling Trish to bark like a dog and strip in front of the crowd. And like, you understood how much of an evil character he was, right? And so if you take stuff like that away, you don't necessarily understand the full impact of who Mr. McMahon was and why people hated him so much. You know what I mean? And so sure. it's just it's just such a slippery slope. Like the fact that you're going to have somebody from today's culture look in the past and edit out and take out whatever they feel is offensive. I mean – you're talking about, you know, they said 17,000 hours of footage. That thing might be down to like 8,000 hours. I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. And I think that they're going to try to push more production shows like The Jump, like The Bellas, like uh, Ms. and Mrs. and things like that. And like I said, they have no idea what a wrestling fan wants. They, they're just looking at ratings or numbers or bottom line or whatever, but like whatever ratings these shows are getting, a lot of them are not wrestling fans. My wife wouldn't watch a damn thing about pro wrestling, but she watched Total Divas for a while. You know what I mean? So it's like if you're going to judge that off of there and be like, oh, wrestling fans are going to watch the Bellas and this stuff. I refuse to watch the Bellas ever since Nikki and John Cena broke up. It just, it bothers me. Like I, it, I was invested in that relationship and now seeing her with somebody else. And I think she cheated on him and they don't want to say it, but that's exactly what I think happened. And so there's just a lot of things that like, it, it's just crazy to me that they want to push something that we don't want. We don't want, and they've been doing, and like the WWE has been doing this. And this has got me really thinking too, right? Everybody's begging for Vince to die or Vince to finally move on. You might want to backtrack that. You might want to be careful what you wish for on that. Because if he goes away and this thing is sold to a corporation, wrestling is dead within three years. Well, the WWE, not, not all wrestling necessarily. But here's, the thing. here's the thing. WWE, if it just goes away, I think it's done. I think WWE needs to stay in existence to keep wrestling afloat because people are too conditioned to see pro wrestling. And if you see pro wrestling as in WWE and it literally goes out of business, I think wrestling's done. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like it's because here's the thing. I mean, you'd agree with this probably if the WWE could have a, sh- a weekly show and not include a ring or wrestling, they would do it. You know what I mean? Like if they could have a show that was just an entertainment show, like that's what Vince really at the end of the day wants to be is is, he doesn't they took the name wrestling out everything they don't say the word wrestling they don't they don't treat it like a sport so it's so i think they're already in that direction anyways like i think i think if if it was up to them or or the people that they could potentially sell this to like they would love for a situation where they could have like the undertaker team up with bugs bunny to do or whatever uh characters they own you know what i'm saying like I like. I think that's what they're in this for. Like, I don't think they care about the wrestling aspect at all. I mean, Triple H might, but like, who knows what kind of power he's actually going to have? Especially if, it, if they sell that's, a company. That's what I'm saying, though. Is like, if, if 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 Vince is out and he sells to a corporation, you are literally going to have people that have no clue about pro wrestling running this thing. 
and it's going to go run right into the ground. And then if people already have moved on mostly and watched UFC and other stuff like that, and they see that the WWE literally goes out of business, I, I don't think wrestling recovers from that. I really don't. I think that they're, they would be in serious trouble. And, and not only that, like, I think that they're going to start to go after violent things, this whole oh, sure. culture stuff. And so they're going to go after pro wrestling. And they're going to go after mixed martial arts and all that other stuff. Like, when does this end? Well, the thing with MMA, and it's funny because, like, I don't fully, like, there, and I know you'd agree with this, too. There are things that I like about Dana White. There's things that I really don't like about Dana White. Yeah, like, sure. you know, there's plenty of both. But, like, the one thing that I'm going to respect about that potential situation is Dana White would do the exact opposite of what the WWE would. We're well, like... You know, because the WWE is going to like, oh, okay, yeah, do whatever you want with their content. We, we just want the money. We don't care. Um, Do whatever you want. Write history however you want to. We want to be a PC-friendly show with, you know, Monday nights, G-rated, blah, blah, blah. But that happens to the UFC. They come after them. I'm not going to say this for the sake of monetization, but he's going to give them birds and use a whole lot of four-letter words at those people coming after him and say, yeah, good, good luck. Good luck censoring our content. We have a we have adults watching our show that can make their own decisions. Yep. So – um, and that's the thing too, is like, if Dana's not in charge, I mean, there's protocol on what fighters can say and what they can't say. There's going to be things that they can do and can't do. Like it, it would be a disaster. And I feel like Vince is almost the same way. I feel like though Vince is about ready to check out. I really do. Like as much as he's a, you know, always gung ho and up till three o'clock in the morning, thinking about wrestling and wants the perfection, all this stuff. I mean, like I said, he wished Big Show he, – he congratulated Big Show on leaving – uh, signing with AEW. He sold the network rights to Peacock. They're editing out his stuff. He's not saying anything about it. Like, to me, he just sounds like a guy that is ready to check out. And I, I just I, – I fear for this man because all it takes is one domino and then they all fall. And that, that is exactly what has happened. And so many people are like, how did we get here? How did we get here? Well, we got here because nobody stood up for anything and just let people do whatever they wanted to be happy and not worry about the consequences. And now we're here where it was like, well, it doesn't affect my life, so it doesn't matter. I just want people to be happy. Well, now it does affect your life. And now they are coming after everything that you love. And so that is my biggest issue now is that we have become a generation of soft people and we're allowing this to happen and there's nothing we can do about it. And everybody is too afraid to talk about it too. They're too afraid of being canceled. They're too afraid uh, of the consequences. And so everything just keeps happening. And at some point, somebody has got to say, damn, we've lost everything. This sucks. And I want it back. Well, and I think that a lot of that will happen with wrestling fans. If a lot of these things do happen. Like, I think people are, I think a lot of the same people that are like rallying behind editing certain things, when they go back to watch them, they're going to be like, oh, this sucks. Like, I shouldn't have said that. Cause, you know, there's, I mean, and here's the other thing with like you saying that all of pro wrestling would die with the WWE. I don't know about that, especially if there's a company like AEW that doesn't have any kind of backlog history that anyone could go after. Like, you know, that's that's one advantage that they have being a new company is like there isn't 50 years worth of potentially PC, you know, uh, negative things or whatever you call it to, that people can even look after. So um, 
I just say I, I say this because it's it's already in people's minds that pro wrestling is a a for a niche audience, right? A fad, right. whatever. And people just generally look at something and 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 basically view it as, oh, the biggest company went out of business, they're done. Like right. that's the way that it's viewed. And then I don't know if we keep going more into this progressive woke culture, if wrestling starts to have storylines that are part of society, I don't think it's going to work. I really don't. Where you can only be, you can't say mean things to people and everybody needs to be accepted and blah, blah, blah. Like that is not going to work in professional wrestling. This was a masculine business. This was a business that was driven by toxic masculinity. And now you're trying to strip the balls out of it and basically try to just make this this flat product with no emotion that people cannot get behind. That is the issue that I have, is that if you're not allowed to be invested, to feel, to really understand what is going on and just trying to do this PC writers writing all your promos, everything is corporate. It's, it's garbage. And I don't want to see it. And I'm not saying that AEW is there, but I also don't see Tony Khan with this huge backbone either. And I feel like if TNT or TBS are said, Hey, you know, no more death matches or no more blood or no, like he's going to do it. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, and that, that is what bothers me is that we need people to stand up to this garbage and to fight for it. Dana White will do it. Dana White is doing it. Dana White did it all last year. Didn't matter what you said. Didn't matter who tried to cancel his shows. He just kept going. You want to cancel it here? I'll build an island. I don't care. I have my own building. I build a UFC Apex. I can show shows there. I don't need your approval. We need more people like that. We need more people with different thinking in charge of some of these corporations, because right now it's all one line of thinking and it's not going well. Like, like you said, you're seeing a full length cancel culture and it's only really started within like the last six months or so that's really gotten bad. Yeah. I I do also think a little bit that some of this will slow down. I mean, it might get way worse, but it also might slow down now that people are like getting the vaccine and like getting back to like their lives too. Cause I think a lot of this stuff happened like it was kind of a product of everyone kind of having to be at home with nothing better to do. And like you just started, you know, that, that's thing you know, you have a Twitter account, you didn't even use one before. And now you have all these different opinions and you're putting your thoughts out there and the whole mob and all that stuff. So it's, it's, I mean, I'm hoping things get a little bit more normal. I mean, more things are going to get canceled that we like. I mean, it's inevitable that this is going to happen at least a few more times, but. But you know what I don't like about cancel culture? is it's not based on principle. It's based on what they choose and who they choose, right? Right. Because Jordan Devlin was suspended, and he came back, and now he's going to be in part of the NXT uh, TakeOver show, right? Mm -hmm. But Marty can't get a phone call. But he he did worse than Marty. And he can't get a phone call? Why? 
Yeah, because the mob went way harder at Marty. I mean, that's what? really at the that, end of the day what it is. But, yeah, it, but, so. but if you're talking about doing the same stuff, then it's then it's not like Marty should get an opportunity just like him, you know. And we got Tessa, who literally they got a picture of her with Bailey and Sasha training at Funaki's uh, gym in San Antonio, and people are pissed off about it, but yet. Sasha liked the photo. She made sure she liked the photo on Twitter. And then she said that she was glad that she's a legit boss and doesn't have to listen to anybody. We need people like that. We need people to say up yours. We need people to say that we're going to do this because guess what? Sasha's a a minority and apparently she's okay with being seen with Tessa. So why can't Tessa be in the WWE? Do you know what I mean? And like, we're talking about hearsay. We're talking about hearsay. We do not know the facts of what happened. We know that Tessa denied it. And we know that four other girls said that she did it. And we also know that Tessa has said other things too, that there's other witnesses that have seen it that are afraid to say anything because of cancel culture. So we can't even get the truth because a narrative has already been painted. And then I see Hulk Hogan, who is with Titus, and there's literally people saying, I think we would be better off with Billy Kay hosting instead of Hulk Hogan. You are not a wrestling fan. You are not a wrestling fan if you think that. That's that's bonkers. You're not even there without Hulk Hogan. At the end of the day, I know a lot of people hate him and whatever, but you're not even there. This business does not even exist without Hulk Hogan. You owe a lot to Hulk Hogan. Period. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean, I know how you feel. I grew up on Hulk Hogan. I, I know. I, I mean, it's. I just, I know what you wanted to say, man. Like, it's, it's one of those things where, like, I think we will see Tessa again. I don't know what's going to happen with Marty. I have no idea. No, no, I think I we will happen with Marty, and like. Full disclaimer, Ring of Honor had plenty of time to investigate Marty, and they decided to move on. We have no idea what they found, right? Right, exactly. So, whatever. But all I am saying is is there's guys that have done, that were part of this Speak Out movement, and they're still wrestling, and they're still getting opportunities. And why is it that certain ones aren't? You know, I understand the Joey Ryan thing. The dude absolutely dropped the ball. The dude has been doing some disgusting stuff. I hate his gimmick from the beginning. And then the more that you know about it, the more uncomfortable you are about how much he tried to promote his gimmick, how much he tried to have female wrestlers wrestle him with this gimmick, how he actually had people pay money to grab his junk at comic cons and there's things like that. Like it's disturbing stuff. So I understand why he's canceled. Um, And like I said, I never was behind it, ever. I thought it was terrible. I thought it was just absolutely ridiculous that that, that would be going on in pro wrestling. So I, I'm fine with it. But I'm really sick and tired of seeing people that are committing the same things, but yet they're getting a pass and others aren't. We Like Charlotte. Charlotte has used the N-word. She, used, she called a cop the N-word or something like that back in the day. And yet... Nothing's happening to her, and she's with Andrade. So it's like, 
how racist is she? You know what I mean? Like at some point, some of these people just make mistakes. But like, why is Tessa being crucified? I think Tessa's being crucified because people were jealous how far she got and she actually wrestled the men and she became the champion in the men's division. This is what happened. And it is no coincidence that all those girls came out and talked trash and, and came up with all this stuff that she did the night that she won that title. And yet people don't even want to look at it because it's like, believe all women. Like, no. Like, everybody's supposed to have a day in court. Look at Deshaun Watson right now. Nobody wants to condemn him. He was he was the, the poor quarterback that was stuck in Houston because he was on such a terrible team. Oh, what was me? What was me? Then he has 16 girls say that he sexually assaulted them, and we're just supposed to act like, oh, everybody deserves their day in court. These women might be lying. What what is that? What is this double standard nonsense? <sighs> yeah. I mean, so, I know. I mean, you know how you know how I feel about this stuff. So. Yeah, no, and, and I'm not expecting you to just come out and all that, but like I don't agree with staying silent. I never will. I don't agree with it. And I'm going to stand up for what I believe in. And I think it's completely unfair how some of these wrestlers are treated and how some of these circumstances have been. And yet we're just supposed to act like, well, that's just the way it is. Like, no, these people deserve a, 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 a shot at redemption. If others can get a shot at redemption, why can't they? And some people just make mistakes. And some people are just ignorant. And some people are just stupid. And some people just grow up and learn through life. It happens. And that's part of like deleting the history of the attitude era, right? You see the progression of as humans of kind of what we made and what we allow and what we don't and what things were because it was almost like a self-discovery phase. Like we pushed the limit so far and then it stopped. And then it kind of like trickled down and changed. But it's hard when you grew up with a base like that and you grew up in that era and then it's just like, no, now we're PG now. Like, I know that you invested all this time with us and spent all this money with us and all this, but now now we're not for you anymore. We're for kids. And it's like, okay, you know, like, things just don't shut off. You well, know? I mean, that is the decision they made. I mean, that really is what happened. Like, I mean, so, I mean, I – I guess I've just accepted it. Like, I, I guess, I guess. So the thing for me is like with the WWE, I ultimately don't even care like what they're doing because I don't care that much about their product anymore. Yeah. So like they, I know that I'm not their, I know I'm not their demographic. Like I get it at this point. And luckily for me, there's so much other wrestling. It just doesn't affect me anymore. But like, do I want the WWE to completely go away? No. But I also think, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a, another, um, I mean, think about this for the WWE. Imagine if they went back to a, like a business model where you have to pay for Peacock and you get what you get on Peacock, blah, blah, blah. But now it's like, hey, you can buy the unedited DVD still. You know what I mean? Like, you know, no one's buying those anymore. You got to buy the digital. You got to buy the un- unedited if you want to, if you want like the the full, you know, you know, I, it might wind up being even more of a money grab. I don't know. But it's a... Uh, it's it's tough, and you know how I feel about this stuff too. Like I I, I do I do believe in second chances. Like I we talked about a lot of these people on a lot of our shows. Yep. Um, I, I we've seen it in in sports. 
it's it's a little strange how it seems. I don't know if strange is the right word, but it seems like in a lot of professional sports, um, people kind of forget a lot faster than in the world of professional wrestling. Um, I don't know if it's because of success that certain athletes have or because there's so many players or so many, I'm not sure what the difference is, but like, you know, you can literally go from being a convicted, don't want to say on YouTube, like Mike Tyson to being beloved. Um, You know, he went to jail for how long? And then like, you know, go go look at OJ Simpson going to a Buffalo Bills game and seeing how he got mobbed by Bill Mafia with pictures and requests and like, you know, most people believe he murdered, you know, and he murdered those people. And yet, like, he's still like a celebrity to people. You know what I mean? Yeah. I you, if that man did an autograph signing, there would be a lot of people that would show up. Sure. Well, and granted, he was he was innocent in court. And I know a lot of people don't agree with it. But I'm just saying, right. like, at the end of the day, he was he's been in trouble for other things. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, it's one of those things where like, on one hand, I do believe in if you serve your time, then like that's what that whole that's what that's made for. Like right. you 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 did something that was against the law or whatever, and you wind up in jail for X amount of time, and then when you get out, like you have served. That's what the whole point of going to jail is: is then you get out on the other side, and if you get in trouble again, the consequences are even more serious. And yep. and hopefully you learn from your mistakes, and you you become a uh, a value to society for the rest of your life without going back to jail. Right. Um. So on one hand, it's like if you serve the time, then I also kind of give you a little more slack because I'm like, okay, you served the time. Like, what more can what more can I say outside of like you literally going to jail for life? You served your time. So yep. like, so in in these cases, it's it's really interesting because like a lot of it is hearsay. I do think I do think there is definitely a percentage of the things that people are, are accusing that have happened that are true. But then there is a percentage that isn't true that, that, you know, so it's in, in, I don't know how you make the decision of who you kind of, who the mob kind of chooses to go after and who they don't. Like you said, it, it does seem to be almost a little random. Um, and, but, but it's like when, once there's a little spark, a spark of truth anywhere, I feel like they can go way harder. Like if a guy, like a guy like David Starr, for instance, you didn't mention, he's another guy who I feel like was rightfully chosen by the mob and they went out, like he seemed like a, he's a guy who like deserved the cancellation. Right. Um, Joey Ryan, another great example. Like there are cases of this where it's like, I do agree with what's happened. Yeah. Um, but then there's these other cases where it's kind of like morally, I might disagree, but legally they might've been within the law and I don't know. And and like how many of these have actually gone to court? How many of these are actually criminal charges? Like a lot of this is just, this is what happened from some person's account. Like that's it. And, and then it's like, we just have to believe it for its face value, you know? And I mean, like we just had the girl that accused Matt Riddle, and she accused Gabe and she accused the WWE of being like uh, an accessory to it. And the court said she had no factual information that that was true. And so the case was dropped on that end. It's not dropped against Matt Riddle, but it's dropped against Gabe and WWE. And so if we were just going to condemn everybody, like the court has already said that she lied about this. Well, there are those cases, though, we have to keep in mind where like, we see Matt Riddle on TV every week. And I know some people really dislike that. Like there's some yeah. people that, you know, but, but like we see he's being used and he's a, uh, one of their champions and all this stuff. 
But then you also look at someone like Josh Briggs, for instance, who we have not seen at all since he was signed to the WWE. And he was a name that was brought up during a lot of this stuff, you know, months and months ago. And I'm not going to sit here and say what he didn't do. I don't know. But what I do know is I have not heard that name since the day he signed pretty much. Um, Same with like Velveteen. It was like he was there, then he was gone. And now it's like they're not saying it. So I do think that there is something to some of this where if you haven't seen or heard these names, and not everybody, there are probably some exceptions, but I do take a little bit of, I think that does have to place a little bit of a factor in the way we think about some of these people where it's like some of these people we are seeing out there and still succeeding. And maybe because we don't have all, all the information, but the their employers might have a lot more information about the stuff than we do. They might be able to see like, okay, you know what? We're going to, we're still behind this person. Cause we, you know, we're not really sure but they might've looked into somebody else behind the scenes that was in the same boat. And like, we haven't seen or heard their name at all recently. And it's because they did their investigations and they realized like, Oh, they did this. Like they, this is, you know, so that's another thing that we just don't have the access to, nor, nor do I know if like, I don't know if we should or not, you know, like if, if, if it is on the companies or whoever to like be telling us every little thing, I don't know. But if you look at the WWE, they haven't released a lot of these guys because of this issue. They've mostly stuck with them. Now, some have been like off TV and stuff like that. But just like an app flat out release, anytime your name was mentioned, you're gone. It didn't really happen. Right. But there was like Jimmy Havoc, for instance. Right. right. Like there was so much overwhelming evidence that it was like, we got to well, cut Jimmy ties. Jimmy Havoc has never really been like this stand up gentleman either. Like you kind of know what you were getting there already, I think. And so, like, it was just kind of, and let's be honest, it wasn't really working in AEW. Like, he, he more so was off of a reputation, not really what he was bringing. Um, I don't know if the reason they released Bay, uh Priestley was because her name was involved in, the, in that Will Ospreay uh, stuff. I don't know if that's the reason or if it's just the fact that it was COVID in the UK and it's impossible to travel. I don't know. Right. But I do know that... Like I said, you know, Devlin was suspended and he's back and he's he's going to wrestle at TakeOver, right? Like at some point, I'm not against punishing people for their actions, but I am against deleting them. That unless, and this is my thing, I think people should be able to delete them, right? If they choose to just all of a sudden stop supporting them, stop buying their stuff, stop watching their stuff, then that's one thing. Don't beg a company to get rid of somebody. Just don't don't pay attention to them anymore. Make them irrelevant. Make them not seem like they're worthy for the company to keep. That's the that's my issue. Because at the end of the day, if you're a pro wrestling fan and you have some type of shaky stuff, like for example, we can go ahead and jump into Will Ospreay, right? Yeah. Will Ospreay right now, my favorite wrestler in the entire world. And it's been that way for probably the last two years. He had something against him to where basically they said that he defended a rapist because he was his friend. And he basically said, look, my friend told me that he didn't do it. And right. so because he believed his friend, people think he should be canceled for it. And it's like, that's ridiculous. Like his friend lied to him. Like if, if that's the case, his friend lied to him. And he believed him, and and that's what he's guilty of, because they're what they're doing is they're making it criminal to to if you don't believe all women, then you are guilty. That is the whole thing that they're going for, 
And that's ridiculous. Yeah. You literally want to wipe out one of the best wrestlers in the world over hearsay. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know a ton about – I've heard that there was stuff that you're talking about. I haven't looked that into it, to be honest, with, with Osprey. But my thing is this, like, I think it's ignorant for anybody to say that, like, if you knew somebody for, you know, X amount of time and you were clo- either close with them or – I mean, it's one thing if you if you know they're a certain way and you just, like, let things happen around you. It's another thing if, like, you have no reason – like. I have, for instance, like my, here's a good example. My brother comes over to my place almost every day. He lives right up the street from me. We see each other almost every day. I normally keep my bedroom door closed because I like it cold in my room and it keeps all like the cold, whatever. For all he knows, I have dead bodies in my bedroom. You know what I'm saying? Like for all he knows, he hasn't seen the inside of my bedroom in in a year. And he's here almost every week or every day almost. And it's like, if I were to tell him that I, you know what I'm saying? If I did that stuff, like he wouldn't know. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, like my point kind of is like, I like, why wouldn't you trust your friends? It's all, it's also like, why wouldn't you trust a girl who's saying these things or a guy who's saying whoever is who, why wouldn't you, uh, uh, you know, trust the victim? But it's also like, well, there's also that aspect of being a friend too, where you're like, I have no reason not to trust my friend. And I know this person and this person has been here for me. And they're telling me they didn't do it. And I don't know you at all. So right. like, how do I, how do I know what your morals are? And where, you know, there's no, so to be put in, now, once again, I don't know a lot about the particular situation, but I'm just saying in general, that's how I would feel about something like that. Like if you got, it would be like anytime Jeff Hardy got in trouble with any wrestling company, if Matt Hardy got suspended also, because yeah. it's like Jeff showed up messed up and wrestled sting. But Matt Hardy knew that Jeff gets messed up and it's, it's yep. like, whoa, I have nothing to do with this. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, that's kind of how I feel about something I mean, like that. The only people in the news that are like being like fired from their jobs for something that their parents said 10 years ago. Like this is insane. Yeah, that's not that's not fair because you could also have totally different views than your parents. One thousand percent. One thousand percent. And so it's just it's just crazy. But anyways. I'm glad that Osprey is in a New Japan in this instance because I feel like that they are going to stick by Osprey. Like he's going to have to do something really terrible if they, for them to move on because I feel like that he is their guy and he's starting to get that. I, I feel like it's almost time he's about to win the title and he's about to finally be like the guy for New Japan, the head guy gene. You know what I mean? The guy that replaces Kenny Omega. I feel like Osprey's about to do that. Um, you know, he won the New Japan Cup. He's going to be facing Kota Ibushi, which is going to be incredible. Barn burner. Um, you know, it's one thing to, like, open Wrestle Kingdom in a match. But, like, to main event um, a big show for the title, like, I feel like they're going to kill it. I can't wait. And he is going to... His heel character, he's getting better at it. I don't know if you caught the promo at the end when he talked to Ibushi, but like, I didn't. So I didn't turn off after the match. So basically, what he does is he kind of he's just calm, right? He grabs the mic, he kind of pushes Bay aside, and he says, um, and he wants to talk to Ibushi, and he just keeps like focusing in on the belts because Ibushi has them on both shoulders. And he's just like, I need those belts. Like, I have to have those belts. I love those belts. And there's nothing more that I love than those. 
and then just out of nowhere, just Ozcutter's Bay. And then yeah. gets up, pops up like immediately. And then like you can kind of tell he's tormented by what he did. But he also is like glad he did it because he wanted to prove a point that there will be nothing that gets in front of him no matter what, even the love of his life. So I thought it was dope. I thought he had a really cool, um, a really good promo, good character building. It started off a little rocky. I hated when he was bragging about how much money he has and all that stuff. That's not Will Ospreay. He got an argument with Seth Rollins over that nonsense. And like Rollins looked like the bad guy because he was talking about how he had more paychecks. And now you have Osprey doing kind of the same thing. Um, but yeah. he has the faction now, United Empire. Um, and uh, they're supposed to unveil a new um, a new member at, at uh, Sakurai Genesis. So I'm just really like, I feel like New Japan is about to start to make that step again to where they're one of the top wrestling promotions in the, in the world, where they're going to be talking about having matches of the year and all that stuff. Because I really feel like that they were not there last year or so. Um, it's just exciting to see another wrestling company kind of take that mantle and say like, Hey, AEW, you're not the only one out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think, uh, Abushi and Osprey is going to be a great match. I mean, they've obviously tore it up before, like you mentioned, but like, this will be another level. Um, they're still using the two belts for Abushi instead of just the one, even though they're calling it the world's title now. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I think I think he has the Intercontinental, whatever they have, and the other one. I think he's walking around with both. I think he wants to unify it though. Well, no, that's what that's what I'm confused about because they did unify them. Like technically, he's just like I don't think the IC title actually exists anymore. Technically, yeah, um, he, has, he has two belts. I know that. Um, but and I mean, I'm I don't on New Japan. Like I'm just following it. Like, I follow it, but, like, I'm not like, oh, my God, I have to watch this event, this event. But, like, we're getting there again. Like, it's starting to pick up. Like, last year it kind of was on the end. But this year it's starting to pick up again. So I'm really uh, I'm really looking forward to that. By the way, guys, there's, like, 45 people in here. I really appreciate it. If you're enjoying this conversation, please smash that like button. Um, if you guys want your questions answered for sure, make sure that uh, – um, you send it through a super chat. If not, I'll try to answer your questions when we're done. I just don't know how much time we're going to have. So if you for sure want your question answered, send it through super chat. If not, I'll try to get to you as soon as possible. Thank you all for being here. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just feel like that. And this is the thing too, that I kind of, so if Kenny's going to be wrestler of the year, which is definitely where he's heading, right? Mm-hmm. I just don't know how frequent he can wrestle. That's, that's one of my biggest things. Like, yes, it, it is cool, too. But I, I feel like part of the reason Kenny was such a special attraction in New Japan is he didn't wrestle a ton. And I feel like if he's just going to wrestle, you know, here and in TNA or Impact and, you know, wherever else that they're going to put him on in, like, multiple shows and Dynamites and all this stuff, like, yes, it's great. And I want to talk to you, too, about this uh, with the Matt Seidel match. Um, yes, it's great. But I just don't know because I feel like Osprey is going to be able to just have about a good focus of like a good 14 matches where he's just going to kill it. And those by the end of the year are really going to reflect highly of him, too. And maybe even Abushi too. Like Abushi could probably run away with this thing, too. So I think it's I think right now it's Roman, Kenny, Will and Abushi, in my opinion, that are the, the top guys in wrestling. If you're going to say like wrestling of the year candidates. Um, but anyways, uh, what, 
what is your opinion on um, Kenny having a knockout drag out match with Matt Seidel? So I thought the match was really good, and right. it and it really really it's because. As sad as it is to say, especially because, you know, we've been watching him for so long. I mean, like at least a decade, probably closer to 15 years at this point, Matt Seidel, between his Evan Bourne run and, and his indie run before that and everything. Right. Like, And unfortunately, the first thing I think about when I think of his name is him botching the shooting star press on his AEW debut. Like that's so... I think he did a good job of erasing that debut with that match with Kenny Omega, because yeah. now it's like, if anyone's going to make fun of that whole thing, like you saw that match also, and now you really know what this guy's all about. So I like that, but it was, on one hand, it was fun to watch because they actually made me feel like Seidel had a chance a couple times, which I really, but on the other hand, I was like, Kenny Omega should have like squashed him, you yes. know, realistically. So, but I I get it as long as like this isn't happening, as long as it isn't happening often, and as long as they do something with Seidel coming off of this, I'm okay with all of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been pretty easy, honestly, to just give Seidel like a couple of matches with pretty legit guys and had him win and build him up to where he actually looked like he could give Kenny a run for his money. But, like, the way that Seidel got the match is because he had to fight Michael Nakazawa or whatever. Right, on Dark or something, right? Right, on Dark. And that's why he got the title shot. And then he came this close to pinning Kenny. Like, Kenny waited till the very last second to kick out. And I I just – one, I thought Matt Seidel was washed, but Kenny Kenny showed that they, he could still go. Like some of those counters were unbelievable. Yeah. Really great job, right? I still think he's really apprehensive about doing this shooting star press because he still hasn't done it yet. Right. And, but I don't know if there's like a mental block there or what, but he doesn't want to go there. But I really, you know, I listen. I've been listening to Cornette and like Disco Inferno and Conan and you know all the guys that that are kind of more old school. It sounds like an all an all star team, right? And I I don't agree with a lot of what they say on certain things because I really do take more of the philosophy that wrestling has evolved and we don't have to go by the same rules and all this stuff. But do no rules apply anymore? Like. Does it matter who is a contender and who is not? Does it matter? We all know it's scripted. We all know that it is uh, fixed backstage. So, like, are we just throwing everything out the window and we're just going based off performance? Um. Well, I mean, are you talking about AEW specifically, or I mean, because just- like. In general, because right? like AEW has the actual ranking system, obviously, and like, like I and Matt Seidel would have skipped that whole rankings the if he would have, but he would have had to beat Omega to skip it. Yeah. So, like, at least there was that aspect to it. Like, if you pin the champion, then it's like, okay, well, then it would make sense to get a title shot. But, but it's like, okay, for example, you know, let's say somebody like, uh, you know, somebody who isn't even that ranked, right? Like. But it's good, you know? I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. But, like, they could have a good match with Kenny Omega. 
but should they? Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I definitely, while I was watching it, I was like, they're making Matt Seidel look a little too good here against Kenny. Like, that's how I felt when I was watching it. But at the same time, like, I really enjoyed the match. Um, yeah. And another thing is, too, if Kenny isn't wrestling as regular, which I don't think he's going to be wrestling that often. Like, we saw that match. And then I think his next big focus will be wrestling Rich Swan at Rebellion for the, you know, title versus title, which is something that they have to – they got to get Rich Swan on AWTV. Like, I don't know how yeah. he wasn't there. I don't know why he wasn't there um, yesterday. Like, right. it would have been a layup. Kenny Omega on Tuesday went out on Impact and cut this great promo – and Rich Swan didn't come out and do anything about it. Like Kenny kind of, lo- he almost kind of looked like he punked him out uh, in, in a sense. And I think Rich and Kenny are going to have a great match, but I don't think anybody in the world thinks Kenny isn't winning that match. So like, so they need to, they need to start like establishing why we should think Rich has a chance. Cause, cause at the end of the day, hypothetically speaking, Rich Swan could become the AEW world champion at this next impact pay-per-view which would heavily impact, no pun intended, AEW. So AEW needs to be like heavily invested in this story too, and like really, really building this up. Like, hey, this is who Rich Swan is. You know, if he win, if he beats Kenny Omega, he's our champion. You know, yeah. so like they gotta. I, I feel like that's. But we're. I mean, th- we talk about this a lot, and it really, I really feel strongly about this. Like with fans coming back and things getting a bit more back to normal and all that good stuff, we haven't even started this forbidden door thing. Like it hasn't even begun. Like, n- like people who were complaining about like, why isn't so-and-so doing this? Why is so-and-so doing that? Why are we getting these people and not these people? It hasn't even started yet. Yeah. So like, a lot I of think based off who lives in Florida, right? Like yeah, who lives in Florida, you can make that happen. Um, you know, the good brothers, all that stuff. Like, a lot of it's just that, that like, it's not about, um, you know, if, if they could fly out from Japan and fly back, no problems, they would do it, but they can't. So, I mean, I get it. And I, and I understand the forbidden door hasn't started or anything, but I'm telling you, Steven, there's too many damn people on this roster. There's just entirely too many people. We are seeing literally like 50 to 70 different people a night. It is a ton. So many factions. Like, and this is my thing, right? So Penta's a heel, right? Uh-huh. Penta uh, took out, messed with Cody, jacked up his shoulder, all that stuff. And now he's facing off with Kenny Omega because Kenny beat up Laredo Kid. And then, like, he's starting to get uh, ovation there. And it's like, you just established him as a heel. And then it's like... Kenny's feuding with the Bucks. Kenny's feuding with Moxley. Kenny's feuding with Pentagon, Laredo, and Phoenix. Kenny's feuding with Rick Swan. Like, damn. If if you're just starting to watch this stuff, it is getting hard to follow. There is so much. Up. Darby just had a match with John Silver. They killed it, right? Love the match. And I love the fact that, like, two young guys getting their opportunity, especially Silver, and going out there and killing it. Granted, Silver got injured. That sucks. But it was a damn good match, right? Mm-hmm. But holy crap, Sting, Dark Order, then Matt Hardy's group comes out, Private Party, Butcher and Blade. Like, there's so many people going on. And, like, I don't want to see Matt Hardy and Darby Allen. I don't want to see that. And, like, it, it just it, – it's getting harder to follow, to get invested, in my opinion. Like, if you go back and you look at AEW Double or Nothing, 
Like you had core matches that you were focused on. And even if you watch like the way that the pay-per-views were, they were not this clogged, man. Like now it is getting so clogged and it is just like AW Dark, AW Elevation. Watch these guys. Watch this. Like at some point you've got to focus on having the best. Like I don't want to hear the fact that if Andrade is a free agent, you're like, well, we have no room. You make room. Like, and it just, there's a lot of people there now. There's just a ton of people there. Yeah. Shout out to MJF. Just got the shirt today. Oh, I'm sure he really appreciates that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't, I really came in a pro wrestling crate. I didn't choose it, but, no, um, true. but, uh, they've been killing it with those crates, by the way. It was an MJF shirt and a CM Punk shirt this, uh, this time. I was happy Damn. about that. Yeah. That's not bad. Uh, I've Dean Malenko Mal- signed eight by 10. Okay. Yeah, 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 I got I got a I got a Dean Malenko uh, signed eight by ten because I met him at Starcast and like he didn't smile at all, like at all, like he just looked straight at the camera. Then I find out he has Parkinson's, so I'm he not does, upset yeah. about it. I thought he was like, man, it's kind of being rude, but like he can't really. So like, okay, we're cool, no problem. Because um, the picture, he just looks straight up miserable, and I'm cheesing ear to ear, you know, like. Um, yeah. the Jericho feud and all that stuff back in the day. I was in, you know, the Eddie matches from ECW. Um, Remember when he dressed up like La Parka and he unmasked? Yeah. Was it was it La Parka or Ciclope? The Ciclope? I don't know. I can't remember what he, he unmasked yeah. and, and he went after. Uh, that was, yeah, that was. That was I remember right. it was orange. Or like an orange it, was C- it was Ciclope. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and so, like, but I had no idea that he had Parkinson's. So, yeah. But, yeah, I, I just... I felt like the pay-per-view, I mean, you know, when you do the Casino Battle Royal tag teams, that's that's 24 people in the ring. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then when you're just try, and I and I feel like that they're taking away some quantity some quality for quantity. And I, I just I, I make the and then their ratings are not looking great. Like this is 3 weeks in a row where they haven't got to 800,000. And normally it kind of fluctuated and this and and this is coming off of a pay-per-view. And I know you're not worried about ratings or anything, but I'm just saying, like, to the average viewer that is trying to give AEW a shot and watching this stuff, there is way too much going on. They need to scale this thing back just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I mean, I I enjoyed the show. Okay, you can you can disagree with me. It's okay. Well, I mean, I know I know I can disagree with you, but I mean, I do agree that there's a lot of. I mean, a lot of people say that. I mean, you know, it's it's a pretty common complaint about AEW that they have such a overloaded roster, but I mean, did you I mean, think like that it, it, when they first started? Well, when they first started, I think it was more about like filling a roster. You yeah. Know, it was like, you know, they got, they had the kind of their big name, you know, young bucks, Cody, Kenny, Jericho Mox type group. But like the rest of it was, um, and, and it's also a big reason why I'm such a fan of AEW. A lot of it was like, the, the kind of the reject toys that the WWE didn't want. And that's right. kind of what, you know, so, and those are the, those are my people, the people that I love watching on the Indies that weren't getting signed by the WWE for all those years. Um, so, I mean, I get it, but I mean, it just depends on what they do with all these people, you know, like if they're, if, I don't have a problem with all these stables at all. Um, Cause it gives people stuff to do. So, you know, I know you're not a big Sean Spears fan. We talk about that all the time, but like, I have no problem with him being a part of the pinnacle if he's not the world heavyweight champion, which I right. doubt he'll, I doubt he'll ever be. No, um, I don't think he'll be the TNT champion, honestly. But you but, know. but but I think he could have a decent uh, match with Darby for the title if the story's built right. But I wouldn't want to see him beat Darby for the title. 
but right. I'm not saying he's incapable of having a good match against him. Um, you know, you know actually, it could happen though. They could make him TNT, and then the FTR gets the tags to belt, and then MJF gets the title, and they have all the gold. That could definitely happen. So. It could. It could definitely happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't have a problem with with most of it. But here's the thing: I I don't think that because a lot of this, I just always have to keep going back to Tony Khan. Is you know, it's his fig fed. You know, we talk about that all, all the time. Like he's not. There's no way he sees Andrade going, becoming a free agent and doesn't attempt to sign him. Like, there's no way. There's no way. Anyone who thinks who thinks differently is out of their mind. He was like, oh, I don't know. The roster might, there might be too many people there for Andrade. Nobody, nobody with a mind who's, who's running AEW isn't saying, go get Andrade. Like, everyone's saying that. There's, yeah. there's, there, there, there's there's a certain people who undeniably like if we're thinking it, Tony Khan thinking it. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, I mean I agree with that. I'm not saying that. I just I just don't think you need a lot of these people anymore. I really don't. I think you could you could clear up a lot of a space. And I mean I and it's not that I think that they suck. And it's not that I don't think that they don't have potential. But like. I think that they could do good in Impact. I think they could do good in Ring of Honor. I think they could do good in New Japan. Like, you don't need everybody. And if you're going to call yourself all elite, I don't think you need a bunch of misfits that don't really fit TV. Like, honestly, if you watch Impact back in the day, TNA, when the roster was loaded, they did not have a lot of guys that, like, weren't really legit. Like, they had big names, and then the indie workers were like legit, legit, like guys that WWE should be looking into, but they won't. I don't feel like that in AEW. I feel like the, the, if these guys got cut, they might not have a home somewhere else. And, and that's my problem. Yeah, this is possible. Um, I mean, but it also would work the other way where there's people that WWE didn't have interest in that they've now seen on AEW that they would want now. Um, so it's, I mean, at the end of the day, too, like, this doesn't really – it's one of those same things. It doesn't really affect me, right? Like, if they have a giant roster and a lot of them are working AW Dark or AW Dark Elevation, and I can still enjoy the Wednesday show, even though there might be a lot of people on the show, like, if the matches are still good, the story still makes sense, and they're still long-term booking. That's one thing – that's also why I give AEW a lot of, a lot of slack when I talk about them, especially on like their week to week product, because I'm hardly ever watching anything they do thinking there isn't a bigger long-term story at play. So I don't want to like just jump right into something and be like, this sucks. Cause yeah, you know, there were people who sting comes out and doesn't do anything. This sucks. Why would they even, and then like they pull off the best cinematic match ever. And you're like, Oh, okay. Like that was the story they were telling you and it wound up being perfect. So like, you know, and I also say this too all the time. If, 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 if I can enjoy 80, 85% of, of AEW, I'm winning. Cause I'm enjoying about 5% of the time I'm watching WWE. So yeah, like I talk about fast lane for this thing is over. Let's do it. Yeah. For yeah sure. I watched watch the show. Yeah. I watched it too. And uh, so what was the first match? Do you remember? Oh God. Uh, I mean, I can pull the card up. Let me uh, pull it up. I, yeah. I, I one I remember for sure was Biggie. Oh, the first match was a tag match, right? The tag um, match. 
Sasha and um, Bianca versus uh, Shayna and Nia, right? Oh, that's right. They they did the the retribution breakup on the pre-show. That's right. I have never seen a baby face look so weak in my life than Bianca Belair. That was ridiculous. She got pushed around, punked out, slapped in the face to the point that her eyelash flew off, and she literally just stands there stunned. Like, she looked like she got bullied. She looked yeah. like she had no business being in there with Sasha, and she looked like she got bullied. She looked confused. She looked like she didn't know what happened. And I was just like, I'm supposed to believe in this heading into WrestleMania? Like, this is terrible. Like, I, I feel sorry for Bianca Belair. <laughs> I don't feel like, oh, boy, Sasha, wait till she gets a hold of you. She's going to really tear you apart. I'm like, oh, poor girl. You know, she's yeah. in there. That's how they're going to be. So WWE books baby faces, man. They have them look like chumps. They have them oh, lose a bunch God. of matches, and they have them. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's par for the course. Um, I th- I think that uh, I I saw that online a lot. Like Twitter was just blowing up, like basically saying exactly what you were saying. Like I, I and and that was I remember. Yeah, at the end, she's like punking around, and then saw um, Bianca's like looking up at the WrestleMania sign, like. Or I'll get you back at WrestleMania. I'm just gonna let this all slide until WrestleMania. And if she wins, like she's not believable. The girl got slapped right across the face and did nothing. Didn't even try to throw a punch. Didn't even say like I mean just nothing. It's like it's like when you're like in in school and you saw a kid like punch somebody and the kid didn't want to fight back and he just got his butt kicked. Like this was what that was. Like it, it was terrible. Who books that? That's garbage. Yeah, I mean they did. I mean like that whole Lana push was like her getting put through tables and then like crying on the ring steps while her team was fighting. And so I mean it's like that's just WWE, but it's bad. It's just really okay. bad. And I, and I don't and I don't. I haven't watched SmackDown since Cain Velasquez debuted, which had to have been. Yeah, I don't really watch Years. it. So, okay, so, so. That, this is a perfect segue, right? So you don't watch it. So you're watching Apollo and Big E, and you're probably thinking, damn, this looks pretty good. Like, I'm, I can get behind this, right? Yeah. I'm into this. I'm like, you know, Big E does the spear spot off the apron that I always enjoy. Like Right at the beginning. <laughs> right. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a fight, right? Just talking all that crap. You wanted this. You know, cool. What the hell was that finish? Oh, that's right. That was like where like they count the referee counted like two, and then they moved a little. Then so she counted three. Like, or it was were down. Yeah, like, it was really bad. It and was then really they bad. Announced him as the winner. Yeah. And Apollo just starts attacking him. Yeah. Like, oh, there isn't even crowd there, and you can't pull this off. Yeah, like, it was really bad. Why? Just tape it. For sure, and and I also that was the first I had heard Apollo with the uh, the new. I guess you call it an accent. I mean, his entire voice box is transformed, but, but I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that if they would have like debuted him like this, he would have had a chance. Like, cause this is actually an interesting character. And he never he had lo- a personality. Like he was just the nice guy that, that did flips. Like that was it. Right. Had like the nice smile and right. The all American athlete type guy. I liked and- him. I mean, I've always liked him, but like I knew he was dead in the water. 
when he went to the main roster. They had nothing for him. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember like when he was UHA Nation. And I, I, I remember when he was in NXT because he never won the title, but was like got a pretty heavy push. And I always was getting, I would always get skeptical, especially around that time of the people who wouldn't like, they couldn't get the NXT title and then they'd wind up on raw or SmackDown. And I would always be like, the company doesn't see enough in them to like make them the NXT champion right now. I know that, that Vince and triple H they're, you know, and triple H is more involved with NXT, but I would always think like, if they didn't go all the way with them in NXT, what makes me think I'm going to go, they're going to go all the way with them on like raw or SmackDown. And Apollo kind of like, fell in that in that kind of no man's land where I think he would have benefited from being NXT champion, for instance, like if you, if you would have had like a real run or something at some point, but um, anyways, the point is, yeah, I, I, I saw him doing the, uh, the Nigerian accent and all that stuff. And he has an actual character now, which is nice, but for someone like me who hasn't seen him on the show since the last time I watched WWE pay-per-view, like, I was super confused until I re- remembered, like, oh, that's right. Like, I, he did a gimmick change. But I was watching, like, the promos before the match. I was so, so confused. Like, wait, what's – what's who, why does he sound like this? What's what's happened? Yeah. Um, but uh, but anyways, I, yeah, it's sad. that, that mat, The end of that match was terrible. And you got a super chat from Hector Amaya just now, by the way. Hector, what's up, man? Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Um, I'll read it out. We had, a, we had one earlier. Um. I think it was from Chris, yeah. But it was it was about PC stuff that we we basically or cancel culture stuff that we basically addressed anyways. Um, but thank you, Chris. Uh, Hector Maya says, if you had ten billion dollars and decided to start a wrestling promotion, who are the top five guys you try to get, and who would be your head booker? It's an interesting question. Ten billion dollars would be enough for literally anybody. Man, that's a good question. I. Oof. And I'm guessing that everyone's a free agent, right? Otherwise, it's sure. pointless. Or you can buy them out of their contracts if you have $10 yeah. billion. Dollars. Yeah, I, I can do whatever I want. Um, Man. I would probably take the four that I mentioned. I would take Kenny, Will Ospreay, Roman, and um, Abushi, And then one more. I don't know if I'd take Abushi in an American crowd. I don't know. I really like Abushi though, so I don't know. Yeah, I have to. I'd have to really think about this to give like a true answer. I'm um, giving you the top of my head answer right now, but I, man, and I know there's guys in WWE that I really like too that I would love to take. I would probably take Kevin Owens. It's because uh, uncensored Kevin Owens, I think, would kill it. Um. Maybe Adam Cole. Yeah, I would take Adam Cole. So Adam Cole, Kevin Owens, Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, and uh, did I say anybody? Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. Yep, there you go. That's I mean, that's, to- that's tough to top those five. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else out there. I mean. And who would be the head booker? Man, I don't know. Maybe me. Damn it. <laughs> I'll be Tony Khan. Let me have some fun. I don't know. Um, it would definitely I, be somebody that I would really have to trust about the business. And uh, I I would have a booker, but I would probably be like the Vince in this situation where I get final say-so. And if I think something sucks, it's not happening. 
Yeah, I mean, you got a really good list there. Like, as far as, like, star power and good in-ring people and stuff, like, you know, I think, just to throw out some other names out there, people who I think would be worth mentioning for, like, some different reasons. Like, I think Jonathan Gresham is someone that I think you could build a company around, like, because you can guarantee a good in-ring wrestling match with him, no matter who the opponent is. He works with everybody. He's just super, super good in the ring, super technical in the ring. Um, There are guys, like, like if if you're looking towards like the future, like there's a guy out on the Indies right now. He's the IWTV champion, Lee Moriarty. I think he's a guy like if you're trying to build like a guy no one really knows yet on a mainstream level. Well, you're going from scratch, like the, the out of well, well, no, we'll see. Here. Well, yeah. no, here's the thing. I well, I'm just trying to throw out some names there that could fill that kind of role because like my list is basically the same as yours. Like the first name is Kenny. Uh, Adam Cole, I would have. I might throw in Kyle instead of. I mean, but I maybe, love Cal. Maybe Adam Page. Uh, Hangman, you know, Hangman Page. Yeah, because he still has. The, he still has. He's like around thirty, so he still has a lot of good years left. Um, it's really, really difficult to like. Um, but like Adam Cole, I think is the most valuable guy that WWE has. Kenny Omega is the most valuable guy I think AEW has. Roman Reigns is the most valuable guy that I think WWE has. Um, I think Kota Ibushi is the most valuable guy New Japan has. And then if I was to look anywhere else outside of that, um, like Impact has a lot of good wrestlers, but I don't know if I necessarily start a company around any of them. I don't know. I mean, and then as far as Booker, like, I I mean, like, I know I'm biased as hell, but I think Cody Rhodes does a pretty damn good job with the stuff he's in charge of. And he has an old school mind, but he also is about the new generation and the, the new style of wrestling. I think someone like him would be would be good as a booker. Someone who's a bit younger, but also has the has the old school mentality, but also is willing to do the new school stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. But but I mean you gotta think though, if you had the money, it's your company, you don't think that you'd want to be heavily involved in that? Oh no! I mean, like in a perfect world, it'd be my thing. I'd just be Tony Khan in, in a per, in a perfect world. But but I mean, I'm trying what to think. Different? What would you do different? Since since uh, you know we're talking about AEW and the things that I don't like, what would you do different about AEW? No, like it's your company. Are you doing exactly what Tony Khan does, or are you doing something just a little bit different? I mean, there's a few little things here and there, I guess, that I would tweak, but like. I was saying the whole time, if Darby, if Sting ever wound up in AEW, I'd want to see him and Darby Allen together. That's exactly what they wound up doing. I wanted to see MJF with a four horseman type group, and I, I was I was hoping it'd be Cody and MJF doing this together. So that maybe I'd change a little bit because I like to see a, a heel Cody with the heel MJF, given their history and everything. Um, but they're still pretty much doing what I wanted. Um, I, I I think the. I mean, there's, but here's the other thing too. Like the stuff that sucked or that I didn't like or I didn't agree with has been tweaked. Like the Dark Order was terrible, and now they're completely different because they listened to, to us. Like the Nightmare Collective was terrible, and they got rid of it. Like there's so there is that aspect to it also, you know. I, but I because I, I, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head that I think that I would do with AEW that I don't think they're already thinking. Like, because I'd say I want to see Omega versus Bushi. Well, guess what? On a or on uh, Impact uh, on Thursday, this, this fight, he name dropped Bushi. Like they're going to go there. Yep. So you know that's kind of how I feel about it. Brandon Insta Classic says uh, 
Jay White's the most valuable for New Japan. I hey, that's that's I mean, that's a good I, I I'd agree with that too. I think he's very, very, very valuable for New Japan and could be in the United States. He he'd probably be the most valuable in a United States company of anyone on the New Japan roster. Probably. What I like about Jay White is he's just different. He has a different type of character. He's not what you typically see in the States. I just, man, I feel like New Japan really, really over pushed him at first. And so, like, he kind of has that, like, Cena Roman vibe from New Japan that a lot of people don't feel like he deserves the push that he has. They tried to he, fill in that Kenny Omega gap, like, ASAP. Right, immediately. Right. And I, yeah. I just don't feel like he was ready for that. But I do think he's great. I, I do like him. So don't, so don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, to me, like, what I would personally like to do if it was my company, is I would make it very much like old school WWF, probably like 2002-ish, but with like high level, um, high level like New Japan style matches, but like big production on, on video packages, build up, major broadcast looking things. And my roster would be absolutely stacked. I don't believe that you need anybody in there that's not very good. I don't think you do. I think you can have everybody that's good. Um, so I, I would definitely do that as well. I would make sure that my roster is as stacked as it could be, and I'm going to kill it. You know, when it comes to pay-per-views and stuff, there is no, well, you know, you're the first match, so don't go out there and give it your all. Like, try to try to make it limit so we, the main event looks real good. No, if you're in the main event, then just outdo it. But, like, I – I feel like that you can definitely go out there and deliver, especially when you only have four pay-per-views, man. Those just need to be balls to the wall. And AEW, for the most part, has done that. Don't get me wrong. But I, like I said, I, I, I really I, – another thing I'm concerned about, just real quick, is I feel like Tony Khan is establishing relationships with these guys, and it's almost like he wants to do friends' favors, and it might not be what's best for the company. And I don't know if he can – differentiate that sometimes so and by the way i think qt marshall is going to break cody's arm i think he's going to break cody's arm because they don't make a focus on an exhibition this is this is going to be like um drago and uh, and apollo right not that bad but like it's supposed to be an exhibition and he's going to take it too far and really snap which i think is great for his character if that's what they're going to do but how terrible was it that he has his wife in the audience when he was trying to bang bunny for, I don't know how long, like, were we just supposed to forget that part? Right. That, that, that didn't make a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's probably what I would do is it would definitely be heavy and focus on the ring, but it would also be heavy and focus on promos and segments too. Like you need it all for pro wrestling and you have to deliver at the end of the day, you have to deliver great matches. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I would run it. Fun question. Yeah. Appreciate that, Hector. Yeah, yeah, really good question. And there's there's some other guys too that like I think have a ton of potential. That like I know this gonna sound crazy, but if this Omus guy in WWE can wrestle at all, they should push the hell out of him. Like I would want him in my company if he could wrestle. The guy's humongous. Like it, it, it looks like you wouldn't be able to beat that guy if he can move at all. Like there there's guys like Gable Gable Stevenson who just won the NCAA championship. I don't know if you've seen that dude. Like yeah. apparently he's interested in going to the WWE and it's like if you're the WWE like you make him like if he can wrestle at all. Like look at this guy. Like it doesn't get any more legit than, than a guy like this. Like yeah. 
you know, like there, there's still all these guys too that I think like we're not even thinking of yet that could wind up being, you know, a big deal within pro wrestling at some point. But, you know, and then I mean, you got guys like AJ Styles still out there. If, if he could wrestle another five years, I'd want him. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of really, uh, yeah, it's wild. A, a very wide range of, uh, of talent out there. You know who this is from Brandon? AJ Ferrari is on the radar. I don't know why that name isn't ringing a bell. Let me look that name up real quick. AJ Ferrari. Oh, he's an amateur wrestler. That's why. Okay. Yeah. I thought for some reason thought he was like an indie wrestler. Okay. He's, he's 19 years old. Wrestles for Oklahoma State. I mean, that's about it. I mean, I'm all for them taking amateur wrestlers. It usually turns out pretty damn good. Like, they already have the basics down, and then they just have to learn certain stuff, and, you know, they're they're ready to roll. I mean, you look at Kurt Angle, Shelton Benjamin, Chad Gable, the list goes on and on and on. So, well, like when Stevenson won his, he won the the national championship and busts out like a round off backflip, and I'm like, (laughs) okay, like, you can can do a loose ball. Yep. Yeah, sign. <laughs> you can do the moon salt already. Exactly. Gotcha. Um. Yeah. So let's talk about Andrade. Um. Something's not right there. Like he was denied his release, and then he got it like the next day. What or the next couple days? Do you think Charlotte got involved? So I said this on my show with Jesse. I have no information at all one way or the other. It's literally, but all I'm, all I'm saying is this. We've seen a lot of cases in the past with guys like Brody Lee or FTR, um, people that publicly wanted their release from the WWE and they held them to their contracts. Sometimes they even tacked on extra time because of injury time that was missed during the contract and stuff like that. Um, Andrade, they just went ahead and, you know, he basically made it known publicly. And then like within that week, he's a free agent. And the only difference between was reported that they did deny it. Right. But I, I, that's really, it's just, honestly, it's just a case of like one of these things doesn't look like the others, you know, it's like, so my, I, I have to, I, I could be totally wrong, but I'm just saying like, in my mind, I'm thinking like Charlotte, like if you're the WWE and Andrade's unhappy, like, why would you want to piss off Charlotte? Right. You know? So, like, just, just, it's better just to not even, not even make it a thing. Like, he's going to be happy. And here's the thing. And here's the thing that I think a lot of WWE, a lot of the WWE management probably doesn't realize. And this is pretty common in business is like, if you're unhappy somewhere and your exit is like amicable for everybody, there's a chance that like they'll come back at some point. Like, yeah. You know, Andrade, Andrade might just need to go do his own thing for a few years. And before you know it, he's ready to come back. Right. But, if, but if you make it this big, you know, F you, like we're, we're holding you hostage type situation, it's way more unlikely that he's going to ever want to come back in the future. Yeah. So, um, so I, I honestly think, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was a thing where Charlotte like walked into Mr. Man's office and like demanded stuff. I think it made a, I think it was probably more along the lines of like, you know what, this is out here. Um, in the non-compete is interesting too, how she, how apparently Andrade doesn't have the 90 day non-compete. So like, so hold up on that. I read that Meltzer said last night that he does. Oh, I mean, it would make sense if he did. 
Yeah, I mean, it, to me, that was like a dead giveaway that like they released him after denying him and they took away the 90 day compete. I was like, oh, yeah, she did something. But it sounds like he, he does. So he has still June before he can debut, which gives AEW three months to clear out some roster space. So hopefully that happens um, because they have to sign um, Selena as well. Like, yeah, you can bring them in as a package deal. But and here's the thing, too, though. Like, I know we always mentioned, oh, like, clearing up roster space. But, like, Shad Khan, it's it's Shad Khan's money. Like, let's be honest, right? So, it's like, it isn't like, they could, you know what I'm saying? If they if they hire Andrade and don't fire somebody, but Andrade still gets hired and gets a push, I don't care if they're firing people to get him. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I get it. I just, at some point, you got to let people go. Like, no, no, no. I no, I agree. Like, that's just bad business to, like, just be paying people to right. like, do anything. But if you have stuff for these people to do, whether it's on dark or elevation or as a part of a stable or something, if they're involved in some way and they're not breaking your bank, you know, like, I don't have a problem with it. By the way, how good was Britt's promo, huh? Dude, and she's so money. It doesn't make – so that's one thing about AEW that I would say if I was booking, like she'd be the world champion for 1000. the woman. Yeah, no question asked. 1,000%. Hold on. We got a super chat from George Morgan. Appreciate it, George. Um, thoughts on Bischoff as a character in WCW, WWE, TNA. Uh, WCW, EZE was amazing. Like, as a heel, like, I love you, Hollywood. Like, yeah, you know, like, unbelievable. Uh, yeah. And, and, like, he knew you hated him, and he embraced it so much. Just, like, yeah. you know, and, like, uh, it, and, and the way that they did it, you know, because, like, Bischoff was one of those guys that was, like, just, like, your cookie-cutter I own this company. I'm going to try to do what's right. You know, I'm the good guy, whatever. And when he went heel, it was like, and then Tony Schiavone sold it like, we're done. Like WCW is done. The The owner of the company or the leader of the company, like is a bad guy now. Like we, we have no answer. We're screwed. And he just like, and, and him and Hogan together, just like such money. Like you, if you, if you didn't understand the business and like didn't understand heel baby face and you just hated bad guys, like you wanted to punch him in his face. Like he was so obnoxious and over the top. I also think when he went to the WWE, him as the, the raw GM and him and like stone cold doing the dueling GMs, that's really underrated. Like I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and I thought it was really good too, because it gave us a way to still see stone cold often and be entertaining and the whole nine I, I thought it was really good plus him and stone cold had history in wcw um so that worked out really well uh him and tna was garbage like i i didn't care about it at all i and then that's just it just it wore its course like him hogan all of that like it didn't it didn't work um but is he a true Hall of Famer? Does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Is he an underrated talent on screen? Absolutely. Like Eric, Eric is damn good. And he uh he always brought some to the show and he brings stuff to the show in AEW. I would already say that Eric has been used better in AEW than he was in TNA. Like just coming in and and being like um the guy that was handling the debate between MJF and uh, Jericho and like the, the couple of times that he has shown up, like I, th I thought he's done well. So um, props to Eric for that. 
Yeah, and I agree. I mean, growing up a WCW fan, I thought that, I mean, I've talked about the story on this show before when I met Eric Bischoff like a few years ago and I marked out so hard that I just like bowed at him because I didn't know what to do. I just lost all the words I was going to say. And, uh, and, but then like, and then same with the TNA, I agree there. The only issue I had with his WWE run was I felt like they could have gotten so much out of like him versus Vince McMahon. Yeah. And they, instead they just like hugged on the first episode. And I was like, well, and then what? they did him and Stephanie. Like him on Raw, Stephanie on SmackDown, but it wasn't the same. Like I think right. him and Vince, if Vince was running SmackDown and he was running Raw, that would have been way more entertaining. For sure. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and it would have been great if he could have been a part of the actual invasion angle and all that stuff. But it but as far as like what we actually got out of him on WWE, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, hot it was being actually. Yeah, HLA, I remember that. Yeah. Absolutely. And the guy that invented the elimination chamber, like I know he didn't, but like story wise, he did. And and I was super hyped for that match. They have run that thing into the ground. But the first one, man, I was so excited for that match. Yeah. In the structure and just showing the trailers of them building the structure. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's like steel great on the ramps. And, like, they're going to bump on that? No way. Like, it, it felt like a, a cage match that had just got put on steroids. Like, it was it was awesome. Yeah, that along with everything else for the modern WWE, though, is, like, it's been totally nerfed. Like, the the it's a different material now in the cage. Like, you can tell it isn't, it isn't the same. But it's, it's funny that you mentioned Eric Bischoff inventing the match on, like, kayfabe wise because it's the same as like jericho technically invented money in the bank and like no one ever talks about that which is kind of funny yeah yeah that's that's, that's <laughs> and then also don Callis, he created the ultimate x on tna's weekly pay-per-view and it was funny because like disco and him argue about it i don't know if you've ever seen don Callis and disco go at it but it's i funny. never have oh because like don Callis just treats him like he's beneath his shoe and like um Disco's like basically, I guess he was one of their bookers during that time, and he said that he created it. And like Don Callis is like, I'm the one that presented it, therefore I created it. Disco, you know, like uh, stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Disco gets so hot, it's, he just gets pissed. But it's hilarious. Like you got to listen to that. I'll send you some links because it's it's absolutely hilarious. Cool. I listen to them every now and then. Like I. I don't necessarily agree with a ton of like Disco's views that I've heard lately on wrestling, oh, but like, and, but how many times do you need to say bro? Like, good <laughs> God, You're like bro, 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 but bro, but bro, bro. It's like, man, like no. But hey, but hey, being a WCW fan though, I was a fan of Disco Inferno and Alex Wright and that uh, all that stuff. And I have I have an autograph eight by ten Disco Inferno I got when I was thirteen years old. I mean, I've like I've you know what I'm saying probably worth less than what it was when you got it but yeah sure i mean it was free when i got it yeah but, worth um, less now and now now, now someone, i'd have to pay someone to take it from me now yeah it pretty much like <laughs> gilberti yeah yeah uh, yeah he's a bodyguard at a strip club that's his job now in vegas like he that's what he does i believe it yeah he's definitely um old school and and, and that's the thing too like i i you know, we're, we're revisiting this. Um, but, like, I thought that um, this whole, like, it has to look like a fight. 
I think that is so outdated now because not only does it not – when you watch a real fight, right, there are stumbles, there are trips, there are all sorts of different things, right? You're just fighting. It's not about being on the same uh, page as your opponent and all this stuff, right? You also know – sorry, you also know that it's scripted. So how real does it really need to look? Now hold on real quick, Doug, by your own as by your own description just now. Yes. Does that make the Judas look legitimate to you? The Judas, no, not really. You just explained, you just explained I, if they if they're throwing it I, off balance, it doesn't always look pretty. Like, you know, it yeah. doesn't doesn't look like I'm I'm obviously I'm trolling because the Judas no, looks terrible. It. And, and I know and, I, and he's got short arms <laughs> to hit anybody with it. But anyways. I do appreciate the move, though, because nobody kicks out of that thing. True. true. So it's like, you know, when he hits it, it's over. But my point, my reason I was joking about it is because if, if for those of us who watch MMA, like if you've seen John Jones throw a spinning back elbow, like it looks completely different than like when Chris Jericho throws a spinning back elbow. Right. Yeah. But it's like we're getting they're so upset that it doesn't look real. And it's like, did it really ever? Like if right. you watch a real fight and you go back and watch like the 1980s or the 1990s and it's like they knew how to work and throw a punch and all this other stuff. Like I don't think it has to look like that anymore. I don't think we have to go back to those basics. I don't think you have to sell the same way and all that stuff because the cat's out of the bag. And not only that, in real fights, that's not how you sell when you're hurt. When, when are they ever rocked? When has anybody in the 90s ever rocked from a punch? Like legit rocked, lost balance, falls down, can barely recover. Somebody gets on top of him, beats the crap out of him, the fight, the, the match is over. That didn't happen. So it's like these, these old school guys are complaining about something that it, it's been exposed. Their business has been exposed. So do I need a guy that looks like he can kick my ass for me to get behind him? No, I don't. I don't. I, I need to be able to believe that these guys can go and deliver in the ring. Like, that's what I need to believe. And so that's when Jim Cornette's like, well, it's a performance and, and Kenny Olivier and, and all that crap. But at the end of the day, it is a performance. And as long as guys are doing stuff that me personally, I know I can't do and most people of this world can't do, I'm probably going to be impressed by it. And I'm probably going to enjoy it. I don't need somebody to go in there and put somebody in a headlock and put somebody in, in, in a chin lock and, and throw like three punches and put them up against the corner and drop 10 punches. And, you know, like you don't have to do that type of stuff anymore. Wrestling has evolved. And I know that that pisses Jim Cornette off to no, no uh, end. And I know that pisses off a lot of people. But at the end of the day, I just think we view wrestling differently now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I totally agree. It's just the it's just a different mindset that Cornette has. Yeah, he's set in his ways. Just is what it is. And there's other people like that too. Stuck on the fact that like you ruined my livelihood that that I worked so hard to protect. You people ruined it. You crapped all over it. You're making money off. You're making a mockery out of the business that I that I created, that I helped create, that I helped build, and and you should all be ashamed of what you're doing, but it's different now. It just is like there weren't guys 
that and like when you hear him talk about the olden days and all this stuff, like I think the biggest the biggest difference is is if there are no stakes in a match, you really don't care who wins or loses. And in the 80s and 90s, you came to see who was going to win and who was going to lose, and you didn't care necessarily about how great a match was going to be. Once it got exposed, once the business is the secrets are out, it's now more about what happens in this match and how does it advance for me to care, right? So right. Like when Osprey is facing Shingo, and if he wins, he gets he gets to win the New Japan Cup and he gets to face Kota Ibushi at the next big show. I popped when he won because it's like yes, I get something out of it. But if it was just to have a normal match on a Wednesday night and it's Osprey and Shingo, I really don't give a crap who wins because I just want to see them have a great match. And that is the biggest difference. When when you watch MMA, when you watch UFC, when you watch fighting, you care about who wins. And you're not necessarily caring about having a fight of the night. But there are certain guys where you see like, oh, that could be like fight of the night. And you do care, but you care about who wins because it's an advancement to the title. It's an advancement in the rankings. And 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 so stakes matter. And I've heard Bischoff say that. Stakes do matter, and they really do. When Whenever there's something on the line, stakes matter. Like at the, the ladder match, right, with, um, with Scorpio Sky. You know, we knew that if he won, he got to face Darby for the TNT title. It's like, yes, I want that. Let him win. You know, like stakes do matter. And I think – Wrestling, now that it's been exposed, now that people know how it works, now that people judge wrestling more for a performance and based on who wins, stakes need to be there. So people really care about who wins and who loses. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think that's a big reason why, like, the WWE product, for instance, is so stale to so many people like myself, because, like, there are. Because the problem is the stakes in the WWE are the championship belts, and those titles have been so devalued that I don't care who holds them. So because I don't care who the champions are, like there's not really going to be any stakes in the WWE for me. So like if I just if I tune into Raw on Monday and I'm just watching people having matches and the matches aren't good, so, so I'm watching matches that aren't good, and even if even if there's a title on the line but the match isn't very good and I don't care about the stakes, then like, that's why I don't watch raw. I mean, I'm explaining why I don't watch raw right now. So, but like in like AEW, for instance, I feel like I'm like the stakes matter. The rankings matter to a degree. The title belts have been protected really well. Um, Like, and and if there isn't high stakes, I, I feel like I'm going to watch a show where even with no stakes, the matches are still going to be solid enough that I'm going to enjoy the show. And they're going to definitely show it on pay-per-view or at least attempt to show it on pay-per-view when I've really spent my real money on this stuff. So you have the barbed wire match, a cinematic match that I think that's why gimmick matches now are so prevalent because it's something different that can get you excited about watching something that doesn't just have to be about winning and losing or whatever. You know what I mean? It kind of changes it. Like, just the fact that Kenny, I, I, I mean, honestly, if Kenny and, and Moxley just had a barbed wire match and that was it, I think that they would have delivered big, you know, and we wouldn't have to worry about any of the explosions. So um, 
but but it made it made it feel like a pay-per-view. It made it feel different. It made it feel special. It made you invested. And I think wrestling needs to focus more on that. It needs to focus on more about caring because like you said in the WWE, those belts do not matter at all. They're all trash. The Intercontinental title is one of the ugliest belts there is right now, and I am so ashamed about what that thing has become. I think they need to bring it back to the old school days because that thing is just like disgusting. I hate that look. I hate the tag titles. I hate the way they look. And, and, and so it's like not only do you hate the way that they look, they also mean nothing. So it's like there's just no way to be excited about any of this. You know what I mean? And sure. so and it's like – if Bianca beats Sasha, right? And mm-hmm. like we know she's not ready. And you're gonna give her the title. Well, the title doesn't mean anything. And it damn sure doesn't mean anything if she's not ready. You know what I mean? Regardless if you beat Sasha for it or not. Uh, we didn't even finish fast lane, by the way. We went off wow. on something else. I don't even remember. I mean, I don't know how much of this show I want to talk about, to be I honest. Want to like talk about Bray freaking Wyatt, dude. Okay, listen. I heard some people actually say that he looked decent, okay? Bray Wyatt looked like WCW Dungeon of Doom bad. Like, that thing, he looked like when when Brian Alvarez called him a piece of charcoal, he wasn't lying. He looked like a giant piece of charcoal, swamp thing, whatever you want to call it. It looked atrocious. The suit, everything, I cannot believe that they are going to have that man go out in in front of a crowd. And wrestle Randy Orton in that nonsense. Like that, if you're if you are a wrestling fan and you're trying to talk your buddy into saying, like, hey man, I know you haven't watched wrestling in a while, it's WrestleMania. Come on over. You are asking him to like, can you go get me some food during this match or whatever? There's no way you want him to see this match. It's kind of <laughs> embarrassment of all levels. And there's no way this is gonna be good. There's just no way. And like, why do we need this? This is this is very, very bad. And the fiend can never bounce back from this. And so you've killed the fiend. The fiend is dead. This thing is like straight to video Jason Voorhees garbage fiend <laughs> now. And you have and it didn't work with Bray Wyatt, right? So the Wyatt family, Bray Wyatt, and whatever reason you want to say, at the end of the day, it didn't work. He had to do something different. Now he's the fiend. That didn't work. So now what? I mean, at this point, I think he's about to get really down the card after this is all over. I mean, knowing the WWE and kind of their audience at the moment, I think, I honestly, I I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. And I don't, I honestly really don't even care. Like, I thought it was really dumb. The whole, I mean, Alexa Bliss, uh, the record books are going to show Alexa Bliss beat Randy Orton one on one, by the way. Um, But, like, I mean, I, I really, oh, yeah. Yeah. I agree there, too. They're just, they're just, the the belts are props to, to send off the sports teams. But, yeah, I mean the the whole the whole Bray Wyatt and Alexa thing. I think it's really more of a vehicle to. I think this. I don't know how. The, I don't even know how to articulate this. It, it's going to wind up being that Bray Wyatt is actually playing second fiddle to Alexa Bliss somehow. Like it's going to wind up being like Alexa Bliss is actually the like the star of this whole thing, and Bray Wyatt's like helping her somehow. Like 
Because here's the thing with the Fiend, like you said, where do you go from here with this? The dude's been beaten down with mallets and burned to death and, and all these other things. And so how, how do you pin him then? Like you can't kill him. So you, but you can hold him down for three seconds. Okay. Like, but, but like they've been, they spent so much time in building Alexa bliss, having basically the same gimmick. And once again, knowing the WWE audience and the, the fans that they're like really trying to appeal to, I could see them just heavily pushing this as Alexa bliss's thing. And then Bray Wyatt's just kind of like, helping her or something or or they or they expand this out to where like you know everyone wants to see Bo Dallas with them so maybe you have like Bo Dallas is also has the fiend oh. inside of his mind or whatever I don't know I mean it's all stupid oh, like, that, day. like I this is all over this is over it's done like they gave them multiple opportunities it did not work like I I think the fiend looked really cool there was some definite creative going on with the fun house and all that stuff. But like my biggest problem with Bray Wyatt at the end of the day, you've got to give that guy a monster push for it to work. And he just can't deliver in the ring. He can't. And every time that he's got an opportunity, it just hasn't worked out. The best Bray Wyatt matches I could give you was the one with Daniel Bryan way back like Royal Rumble. Yep. And then – I think he had another one with Daniel Bryan at Royal Rumble again. And then when it was like the Wyatt family versus the shield, like that's all I got. That's all I got for you within for like however long he's been there, you know? And so um, I I just think that he's ran his course and he's, and you can't, you can't, I mean, yes, you can blame the WWE, but man, they really gave him a lot of opportunities at the end of the day. I mean, that guy, Got a lot of opportunities, a lot of big matches. And at the end of it, he just didn't deliver. He just didn't. So I I, I have no idea what's next for him. And I, I really don't think he's going to beat Randy Orton. I really don't. Yeah. I think line is it, it makes sense for him to beat Randy Orton, but, like, I don't think he's going to do it. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just don't care either way. Like, if Randy wins or he, I just don't, I just don't care. You seen if like after Randy beats him, like Alyssa, uh, uh, whatever her name is, I Alexa, guess. yeah, Alexa, thank you. Um, she kicks him and he just turns into dust, and like he just spreads out like charcoal, just yeah, and he's gone forever. It could happen. I mean, I just, it's just. It's just so far beyond me caring that, that I, I mean, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> I love that. I love that, that I don't care that much, but I'm, I'm almost just baffled just business wise. Just like how bad that you would put that on there. Like that, that, that because, is Doug, it's written, for, it's written for 10 year old kids. That's why. But, like, but is it though? Because they still want to kind of push the limit on some of this stuff and they still want to go out there and have like, some rough and tough matches or whatever you want to say, like they're, they're kind of in an identity crisis, I think. Yeah. But I'm, what I'm saying is like, I feel like maybe a 10 year old kid could see the fiend and be like, Ooh, that's scary. Or like a kid younger, you know, like someone's watching with their parents. My my daughter's scared. Like I saw him coming from the ground, from the the ring. And I literally just put her head against my chest and said, don't look. Cause I knew that she was going to pull that crap about how scared she was and she couldn't go to sleep. <laughs> like I died in her because she was scaring my figure, my fiend figure that I got. 
So I guided her all the way around the kitchen, walked her down in her room, and, and made sure that she didn't see that because I didn't want to deal with it that night. I just love how you say she pulled that crap. A little kid just being terrified. I could, I, I mean, I would probably be scared too if I was a little kid. But like, I don't know necessarily how scared she is, but she would use it as an excuse to stay up. That's what I'm trying to oh, say. Oh, I, I got you. I got you. But like, she might not really be that scared, but she'll play off like she is. You know, what I, I, mean? see what you, I see what you're saying. But yeah, but, yeah, that, that 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 is what it is. I mean, because here's the thing: if I look at like the fast lane card, right from like top to bottom, the stuff we already talked about, the stuff we have, and like, let's talk about the main event real quick. What was that? Like, Edge turned heel, basically. Yeah, in Roman heel. Yeah. So we need two heels and one face. When one of the heels is probably going to still be over, he's going to be over as a face. Because listen, Roman's got a lot of support now. I don't see that guy getting booed out of the building. I really don't. Like, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be behind Roman. You have Daniel Bryan, you have Edge. Like, what? And it's like, why did you make Roman tap? Like, he could have passed out and then Edge could have interfered. But like, to make him tap, like, I don't know. It just made it from a guy that's being so, that has been so dominant to almost losing to Kevin Owens and the, he should he really technically lost, but they couldn't find the key. Right. And then the it's, it's just I can just see the mistakes they're making, and it's just it just amazes me. But it, it doesn't because they're WWE. They've always done this, especially the last like fifteen years or so. But like, damn, it was already set. To have, I feel like a noble edge, a good edge, he doesn't have to be healed, just a noble edge could go in there and still wrestle and then be fine. You don't need to turn edge heel. And it's like you turned edge heel so Roman wouldn't lose to Daniel Bryan. Otherwise, Daniel Bryan was going to beat Roman. But is that a way to book the, the tribal chief? The guy that's been dominant all year going into WrestleMania. It's like I, I felt like Roman looked weak. Bianca looked weak. Like who's booking this garbage? Probably yeah. 27 people. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's really, really bad. Like the um, like I, I don't know if I've ever been less excited for WrestleMania match in my life than Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon. Like, I mean, this is all like this is this is what the, this is what the WWE is. I mean, it's this is it once again. I keep saying this is for ten year old kids. Like Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon is a feud built off of hopscotch and slime. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I mean, if you're trying to plead a case, that's a good one. That, well, I'm just hard to dispute. I mean, there's going to be a couple little things trickled in here and there that's a little more adult, but like this is this is where we're at. I mean, yeah. like. Uh, let me see what else what else we got. Rollins and Nakamura was all right. Um, I've always liked both of those guys. I have no idea what's going on with Rollins. Like his just being a troll and his drip for his suits and just yeah. Oh I have no clue because once again I don't watch SmackDown, so I don't know. But then you and then like Sheamus and Drew, they they went out there and worked hard yeah. as hell. Yeah, like, that, was, that was a stiff, hard hitting match. That one wasn't that bad. And you know, and there, and here's like the kind of things that stick out from like those two kind of matches, right? Those were just two really solid wrestling matches that anybody from any age could enjoy. 
It wasn't like overly adult. It wasn't overly kiddie. It was just a solid entertain. They were two solid entertaining wrestling matches. Yep. Um, but everything else surrounding it that we're talking about is just, it's just very like, there's certain things about WrestleMania. I guess I'm excited about like, you know, I don't know. I have to really look at the card and, and see what I'm, what I am excited about. Um, actually, let me pull the card out. Good at the end of the day, Roman Edge and Daniel Bryan, I think they'll have a damn good match. I think it'll be something that everybody will be pretty happy with at the end of the day. I just think how we got there is just dumb. Yeah, and and they will have a good match. I mean, I do like all three of them a lot still. Edge, Daniel oh. Bryan, and Roman, like three great wrestlers. Well, I'm looking forward to just Edge being able to be in there with new people. I mean, my God, we saw Edge and Randy Orton. That's all we really saw. And so, like, just to be able to see Edge and Daniel Bryan, Edge, Roman, like, in, in front of a crowd, like, that sounds like a pretty good time to me. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm I'm down for that. Is that night one, night two? Do you have any idea? Um, night one, sorry, night two is the is the Universal Title Triple Threat. Night one is Lashley and McIntyre. So, night two is really their their big show. Uh, yeah. I mean, I night two. What's a what's announced right now is the Triple Threat. Well. The Fiend and Randy Orton, which is probably going to be terrible. And then the other match on here is Oscar versus Rhea Ripley, which I saw on Monday. Literally all Rhea Ripley did. She debuted on Raw. She'd never been on Raw. She debuts on the show, walks out while Oscar's in the ring, and just points at the WrestleMania sign or something. And like yeah. just gets and just said she just gets the title shot. Yeah, so they put her on a poster. They took Charlotte off the poster. Like and apparently, you know, Charlotte has has the the Rona or whatever. But like, I, I just, you know. Whatever. But my thing is this: is just like, what's the point of the Royal Rumble? Every I feel like every time we see the Royal Rumble, or a lot of times now, yeah. it, it's like whoever the last two people in, are in the ring both wind up getting title shots. Anyways, it happened. It's well, happening with the. Like it always gets the, that that. That uh, right to face whoever always gets put on the line at fast lane. Like they always have a pay per view now to put that thing on the line, and then, like I said, they're going to add somebody else to it. Like so, Daniel Bryan didn't have to win the Rumble, and he still gets a title shot. Like it, right. Well, and I, also there they have all this stuff about like who's going to main event WrestleMania, who's going to be the the main event. That's what the Royal Rumble is, right? Like, there's a man, there's a man's Royal Rumble and a women's Royal Rumble. There's two nights of the WrestleMania. Who won the women's match? Main event in one of the nights. Who won the men's match? That should be the main event of the other night. I don't know how that's even like a thing. Like right. that—that's what Royal Rumble was. The winner mains events WrestleMania for the title. And somehow, over the last decade or so, we've just forgotten that. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, people are debating online who should be the main events of these WrestleMania shows, and it's like. Do I think that Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks is like the biggest main event WrestleMania could have? No, but I think it should main event. If there's two nights and there's two Royal Rumble matches, why wouldn't that be the main event of one of the shows? Here's my thing. I I think quality match-wise it could be, but that buildup is garbage. True. And so if they if they built something up to where people were highly anticipate anticipate for it, like to me, when Becky and Ronda, like if they'd have just done Becky and Ronda and took out Charlotte and put that thing at Mania, I think that thing definitely deserved main event type status. If, if you want to say that, like, there's no way you can say that uh, Sasha and Bianca have that type of 
build anticipation. Like this thing is so flat that they literally feel like they could open the show than than main event a show. Do are they talented enough to main event one of the nights? Yes, I agree. But man, there's no there's nothing going into this thing. So I hopefully you know, they got a couple of smackdowns to to save this thing, but uh, it's whatever, you know. Yeah. I, I don't I'm not I'm not overly looking forward to WrestleMania weekend. Is there any good indie stuff going on? I saw that like low key was facing um, Leo Rush on one of the oh, shows. Yeah. yeah, I mean they're doing the collective. There's going to be a ton of matches. Like I know there's this guy Nolan Edward who's like early twenties. He's getting he's he's getting a bigger and bigger name lately. I talked to one of his good friends the other day, and he was telling me that Nolan has like something like 11 matches or something booked already for like three days. And I think that three days over WrestleMania weekend, like yeah, I mean, there's that many, that many shows though. So I didn't know how much there was going to be, but I saw like Jay white was going to be at WrestleCon. Yeah. And I see, I always forget about WrestleCon too. I mean, they put on a really good event. Um, yeah. you know, there's a, there's going to be a lot of good stuff. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting kind of what everything that's been announced, but there's going to be a ton of indie wrestling over the weekend. And then there's also going to be events outside of, um, you know, outside of uh, Florida and stuff where people are still going to call them, you know, WrestleMania weekend shows and they'll still have, you know, stuff in other States. I'm sure that it might be worth kind of keeping your eye on, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to all of the stuff surrounding WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, that week's going to be nuts because that's also the week that, you know, Impact moves to Thursdays and, like, a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, there's going to be wrestling every night leading up to WrestleMania, whether it's, you know, Impact or NWA. Yeah. Or- wrestling is doing so terrible that it's on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So, right. Yeah. And so, multiple shows on some of those days. Something doesn't add up. That's why I think mm-hmm. people don't need to look into ratings as much. I'm just saying with AEW, to me, I always saw them go way up, then down, way up, down. But like it's just been 700-ish, like this way. So that, that was at, coming off of a pay-per-view. That's the only thing where it's kind of like, mm, that's not good. But like, I, I, I people, you, you can't bring up Raw from 19 or from 1999 and 2000 and 2000. What like? It's not the same anymore. There's a thing called DVR. There's a thing called the internet. There's a thing called your smartphone. Like people watch things in so many different ways. You can go and just see on YouTube all these views for a WWE segment. And so maybe people don't even watch WWE on Raw, but they're watching the segment on YouTube. Like you just don't know. Like there's so many different ways to consume. But apparently it's got all these TV uh, companies or these networks' attention because they're all got spots. You know what I mean? So yep. it, something's got to give, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Let's let's talk about UFC because there's pay-per-view this Saturday. Yes. And then I'm probably going to get out of here after we talk yeah. about that because my back is killing me on this couch. Um, Come on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, let me pull up the UFC card real quick because um, obviously we had a heavyweight title fight this weekend. That I yeah, I talk about. if it's like a fight night or something, I would just skip it. But but it is a UFC, so we got to talk about it real quick. Um, UFC two sixty. I mean, as far as like a card, I think that card is fairly weak, like from yeah, top to bottom. It's a co-main event now because the Ortega and Volkanovski's out. Luke Woodley. Oh, okay. Luke is going to beat his ass. 
I think so too. But I mean, if Woodley can beat Luke's ass, it's going to change all of our opinions of where Woodley's at right now. So like he has a lot, he has a lot to lose and a lot to gain from this one. He could potentially get cut by the company if he loses, but if he wins, he's, he's a contender still. So like cut if he loses. They're they're paying him way too much money for him to lose four or five in a row, whatever it is now. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that's the co-main. <clears throat> Sean O'Malley and Thomas Almeida. Like, yeah, I, think yeah, that's, that. yeah. I think it's a good matchup, but I also think it's it's the most winnable fight that they could give to Sean O'Malley against somebody who has any kind of name, if that makes sense. I'm not, I'm not confident in O'Malley. I'm really not. He seems really overconfident. He seems like he's not taking that loss seriously at all. He's basically saying it was a fluke thing. He kicked me in my nerve, and that did every all the damage. But, like, that's part of calf kicks and whatever else. Like, that's what's doing is he's dead-legging these guys. So, I don't know. We'll see how – and he always gets hurt going after these fights. So, I don't know. I mean, he was on a real momentum where he could be, like, a next big star, but – I don't know. And if he loses this one, this is going to be bad news for him. Well, that's kind of what I was saying is like, so like Almeida, I think has lost his last three or so in a row. And like, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't looked great. He's been fighting good fighters, but like, I think that this is designed for Sean O'Malley to win because, because Thomas Almeida, I'm sure you remember there were years ago, there were people were thinking Thomas Almeida could have been like the next big contender. And then he lost to – he had, like, a real big loss. Who was it to? It was Cody Garbrandt. Cody. Yep. And that was, like – and then the downfall kind of started. He's only won one of his last four since then, I think. So, like, um, now that all being said, on O'Malley's side, and I've talked about this on the sh- on the show before as well, the thing that's helped O'Malley grow so well with, like, a fan base is also – he has he has potentially the most fickle type of fan base because yeah. he's he's going after the hype beast crowd. He's doing like the limited supreme type merch drops. He's, he's going after the Jake Paul crowd. Exactly, YouTubers, Twitch stars, like that's that's what he and they're only gonna have your back if you're winning. Yep. So he lost that last one, but he can make some excuses, and if he recovers and he wins his next fight, he's okay. But that's really until the next better person comes around. Cause at some point, at some point he has to be a better fighter than the leader of like a hype beast crowd, if that makes sense. So like, it's, it's one of those, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. I know you know what I'm saying, but like for anyone listening, basically, basically I think that there's people that are really, really behind him because he was winning because he was flashy because he was the multicolored hair and the tattoos and selling weed and like all the stuff he was doing, the the YouTube channels and all he was, he was playing Fortnite with Ninja on Twitch and all this stuff. I mean, it was like, you know, that's the audience, but that audience is also the same audience that will stop watching you on Twitch in favor of some of the new cooler, better person without ever thinking about you ever again. Yeah. So um, he basically needs to be winning to stay relevant with the kind of audience he has. Um, he he's a very talented fighter. Like I think he could go out there and he could smoke Almeida. He might go out there and he, he might become a contender again. I think he has a, a lot of skill, but based on what we saw against Marlon Vera and what we saw against Sukumtoth, remember Sukumtoth basically had him beat, and then O'Malley like and then he went to the ground with him instead of making him stand. And O'Malley's 
leg was like destroyed. He, he, he did his post-fight interview laying down because his leg was so screwed up and he won the fight. So anyways, that's how I feel about Sean O'Malley. I like him. I just think that he's kind of playing with fire with kind of the gimmick he's played. If he isn't winning, they're going to, ba- they're going to bail. For sure. Eduardo sent a super chat. Let's get this one quick. Um, favorite fighter all time, uh, UFC pride strike force and Bellator. Uh, I can actually do this pretty quick. Um, Me too. Cool. Question, uh, Eduardo, thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. Um, UFC, Tito Ortiz, uh, Pride, Rampage, mixed in with Vanderlei. Like, I'm very torn on both, but Rampage is, is probably my guy for sure. Strike Force, Nick Diaz, um, and Bellator is probably, it's probably Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler or Eddie Alvarez, like, that's probably my, my tops. I got to go. I got to come back to UFC. I'm not sure for UFC because most, a lot of the people have that I could mention for the other companies have also fought for the UFC. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. Because I mean, Nick Diaz has fought in the US, right? He's fought in you, but like, where I guess where you became a fan and how much of a fan you were at the time for that fighter, like, has it ever peaked at at a level? Yeah, I'd say for Pride, it was Mirko Krokop. Okay, uh, for Strike Force, it was Nick Diaz. Uh, Nick Diaz is my favorite fighter of all time of any company. Um, Bellator probably got to go Douglas Lima. I like him a lot, okay. um, even though he lost to Musasi, big size difference and stuff. Yeah. I, I, th- I think he would give any UFC welterweight a real run for their money. Currently, I really like MVP also. I just think he's a lot of fun. He just hasn't fought the best opponents yet to really oh, know. But... He got knocked out cold. Yeah, but... Lima. That was that combo was incredible. But he's, um, he's a very entertaining fighter, so I really like him right now. And then UFC... It's really tough to say, and I'm going against pretty much all of my, like, purest thoughts on this. But, like, in all honesty, if I'm talking about the guy I get the most hype for when he fights, I, probably Brock, honestly, as crazy as it is. Um, I, I love Tito, and I love Chuck. I love both of those guys as much as they were enemies and all. Like, I was a big – if it wasn't for Tito, I wouldn't have got as into the sport as I did. If it wasn't for Chuck Liddell, I wouldn't have stuck with it like I did, like, during, like, the – they're the stone cold and the rock of, of yeah. MMA. I mean, they really are, especially the UFC. Um, but but I really got I really get hyped to see Brock in there because it's such it's such a rare thing to see a guy from our world of pro wrestling go into that and also be the heavyweight champion of that. Also, it's like it's just I, I feel like people kind of undervalue how how once in a lifetime something like that is. Well, and not only that, to really get to see how much of a badass he really is, right? Because, like, you you can see, you know, Andre the Giant or, you know, Vader or whatever, Kevin Nash, you know, guys that are Sid Vicious that just dominated but because and they had such a, like, scary presence. But you never actually saw them in a real fight. Like, you got to see this guy that was just an ultimate athlete go in there and and destroy and win and fight at the highest level and lose. But at the end of the day, like, he was box office. And for him to be such a big deal in MMA and in pro wrestling, I mean, it, it's it's incredible. It really is. And it's an honorable mention, just as someone who has never held a title before, that I've always been a huge fan of is Matt Brown. I've always been a big fan of his. Like, the guy just comes to fight, and he's still out there doing it. What Did was you, that, Jeff? 
Did you watch him in Tough Ultimate Fighter? Oh, oh, I couldn't hear what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, I, and I and I, I liked him on that show because he was like the only guy that was like, I'm not here to make friends. Like y'all are making fun of me for being the weird, quiet guy. Like I'm trying to win a contract. Yeah, yes, yeah. He was a, I, I kind of thought he was like, he he was a little bit too like, I don't know. He, he seemed like way more of a tough guy than what he actually was. But then like he kind of earned his stripes as he got into the UFC and stuff like. That. I thought he was more talk than bite, basically. But no, he earned his stripes in the UFC for sure. But I mean, yeah. if you were like UFC all time, I mean, you know, it's Vitor Belfort and Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell and all that. Like, I hated Chuck for the longest time. But I mean, at the end of the day, like when it's all over and you're looking back from it and you realize just how much of an impact and how how many big fights he was involved in and stuff like that. Like he's definitely one of the all time greats for sure. Yeah. It's hard not to mention like pretty much the entire light heavyweight division from like the early 2000s. That was, that was the money division. There was yeah. nothing that generated more buzz than 205. And and John Jones just kind of killed all of it. Like he <laughs> just went through, they never had. And that was another thing is these guys just kept rotating. They all fought each other. And they all swapped the belts, and you know what I mean. Like, and, and then this, like, once John Jones got in there, he just destroyed everything for for years on end. So, including himself, but that's a whole another can of worms. But no, that that pretty much wraps it up, guys. Well, I'm hold really- on, hold on. Before we go, we didn't actually talk about Stipe and uh, and Ganu. We didn't, did we? Okay, I know we've talked about this fight plenty of times before. Yeah. We've always leaned toward Francis winning. Are you still on that train, or Stipe? kind of creeped in towards the end it's i mean i'm still i'm still with i'm still with francis but it's it's definitely not it is by no means like a confident prediction i i think for sure stipe i think i was talking about before like you said i think stipe is more well-rounded i think it would be really smart for stipe to establish a tank down like if, if he could if he could put francis on the mat in the first round and get that mental advantage and have francis thinking like he's got to worry about it and maybe he doesn't commit so much but at the end of the day, if Francis hits you the way that he's been hitting people, it doesn't matter who you are. And I think Francis, if Sipe gets hit, like it isn't like Sipe, like Sipe is just tough as hell and can just survive a lot of the, a lot of it. Um, but I don't think anyone can can take what what. And granted, Sipe took it in the first fight. There's some some still images I've looked at where. Francis's face is right up on Stipe or Francis's fist is right up on Stipe's face and it's turned to the side and his, his whole face is, is yeah. transformed and Stipe ate it. But I think, I just think Ngannou is just on a different level now than he was the first time they fought. Same with, same with Stipe, but I think the improvement's a bit more drastic on Francis's end. And I, I think he I think he hits him and I think he gets the job done by, I think he finishes him. I also, I also think that because there's no crowds, it actually favors Ngannou. One, the cage is shorter, right? It's a smaller cage. Two, I feel like he mentally broke in the Stipe fight. He mentally broke, and with the crowd being, like, on top of him and all that after he's panicking, this way he can focus more. There's no crowds. There are no distractions. He can hear his corner if he needs help. Like, I just feel like this is way more in his favor. I feel like the UFC absolutely wants Stipe to lose. I feel like that they're ready to move on. They want Francis to be the guy. They want him to be the champion. And this is built for Ngannou to win. This is this match is built for Ngannou to win. Everything is up against Stipe. Stipe is, is in trouble here. Um, if he wins this, my God, I, you just got to give it to him. He's, he's the Khabib of heavyweight, basically. Like they're just, there's just no 
no denying it at this point. Well, I, I will say this. It might sound, it might be so to probably half the people who hear this, it'll sound controversial. And to the other half, they'll completely agree. I think John Jones beats the winner either way. Very possible. But I, I really, because no, John, no, I know. I, I, it's, not, like, it's not a sure thing. I'm just saying, like, I don't know if John can beat Jan Blahovich. That's really, my guy. Trust me. <laughs> I, I, I love Jan. John left 205 getting his ass kicked twice by guys that have lost now. So I, I just don't know where he's at, at, at skill wise. And and not only that, like that big of a weight gain and like, is he going to be slower? Is it, But like, also no weight cut either. No, I agree. I agree. And he's way more skilled. But my God, I don't know if he can handle a shot on the chin from Francis. I really don't. Of, and, and and I know I know you're not disagreeing. I'm just saying, like, but like, I, and I I totally agree with that. I don't think anybody can take a clean shot from Francis. Yeah. But but I also think that a John Jones that doesn't have to cut weight that goes in there against a guy like Francis can take Francis down with his wrestling. Right. You know what I mean? And like, I think Jones is just going to be a. I think Jones is just going to be a, a nightmare for some of these heavyweights that haven't had to deal. Because to be fair, too, John Jones has been out, going out there and you know having these really close fights for the light heavyweight title, but he also has completely abandoned his wrestling. Like if he went back to actually fighting a well-rounded fight like he used to, I think you know I don't want to take anything away from the guy like uh, Dominic Reyes and and Anthony Smith or or um, Chago Santos and these guys that like you know went the distance with him and stuff, but. He didn't go out there and actually do anything but strike with these guys. Yeah. So if he goes out there and really fights how he fought when he won the title, when he's going out there putting people in guillotine chokes and taking people to the ground and hitting spinning back elbows and stuff, that that John Jones I'm interested in at heavyweight. I'm not interested in seeing him just go up to heavyweight and kickbox people because I think that guys like Francis and Stipe have better striking than he does. Right. So you know what I mean? But it's interesting. Yeah, no, it's it's very interesting. Um, but we both agree Francis is going to win this fight and it should be good. And then, man, that next card is a banger. Uh, that's the – is that three I, title I, fights? Pay-per-view. That's Usman and, and Jorge, too. That's um, Valentina and Andrade. And that's um, – Wiley like, Zhang and Rose. Yeah, so that's, that's going to be a banger's. That should be good. And then hopefully they give us Ortega and Volkanovski in Houston. That's what I'm hoping for. Although, man, I'm seeing those ticket prices and those things in the secondary market are scary. Like, I don't I don't know if I will go or not. So we'll did see. It, did it sell out ASAP and then you then it's already getting resold? Pre-sell pretty much. Dana said that the gate is already the highest gate that that venue has ever done, and it's only been the pre-sell. So, like, they're – I mean, I saw some tickets in the, in the uppers, like the upper decks for, like, $1,700. Like, there's no way I'm going. That's so messed up because it's so, like, supply and demand. Like, people are so ready to go that they're going to be willing to spend. Yeah. It's so funny, too, because they're like, oh, my gosh, a full stadium. People are not going to go to that. People are so afraid. And everybody's like, buy a ticket, buy a ticket, buy a ticket. Refresh, 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 refresh. Like – Come on, people are going to go. God, this is going to be like, dude, come April, like Mania has a crowd. UFC has a crowd. Like we're going to start to feel crowds. And I hope, 
Tony Khan is just like, okay, Jacksonville, they literally sold out 15,000 in an indoor stadium. We're an outdoor 5,000 seater. Sell that thing out and do double or nothing in a full crowd. And I will be one happy man. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing people in the stands again, too. Like as, as regardless of what anybody's like, views on the pandemic are or their political views and all these things like because i have my own views and stuff as well like you know I've, I've been basically cooped up in my in my condo for the last year i mean i have done very little um and it's for my own safety and for the safety of people that i'm close with and i'm taking consideration the people that the people that i see see and a lot of older people and at risk and blah 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 but that all being said I've been going back lately. I talked about it on the stream with Jesse. I've been watching old WrestleMania moments from stuff that either I was there live or something that I was you know, really emotionally invested in growing up or whatever. And I like literally was tearing up on my couch, like watching some of these WrestleMania moments with me just, the, just hearing 70,000 people all going nuts for something it's wild how much I just forgot what that really felt like because it's been so long since we've like really had it. So I, as a fan, once again, political and stuff aside, as a fan, I am very excited to see a full stadium full of fan or a full arena full of fans yeah. all enjoying something together. And like, just, it's going to be so great to just hear the noise and see the, the real, the real arms in the crowd and, people with sign I hate people who bring signs to events but it'll be nice to see people with signs for once just to, just to have it back so as a fan I'm very very much looking forward to seeing fans back I mean, could you imagine if they did rock and Hogan in an empty arena yeah I mean I, I have that on my Mount Rushmore of, of Wrestlemania matches of right. all time and it, it would be it wouldn't even be on the list it wouldn't be in the top 50 without a, without the fans right so I mean yeah. The fans play such a huge pivotal, especially in pro wrestling. I mean, heel turns and and heel heat and and baby face pops and just the whole nine. They make matches. Some matches with that are just flat would not be flat if they had a crowd. Like I promise you, Kenny and Adam Page versus FTR would not have been flat if that thing had a crowd. Like no way. So there's just. A lot of stuff, and and I give AEW credit. They they've really like they've done the best during this pandemic and been able to carry on through. But at this point, man, let's start making some advancements and let's get some crowds in there and really shake some things up and and have some normalcy again because everybody needs this. I I, I view it like our souls are starving and we need to be fed. Like we really, and that's why you get emotional, right? When you listen to stuff like that, because you haven't been fed, you haven't felt that moment. And I, I mean, I remember I literally the first time they brought back crowds and they played Judas, I got teary eyed because I heard the crowd. I heard the crowd talk, sing Judas. And I was just like, I haven't felt that. And I didn't know if we were going to hear that anytime soon. It had been so long and it, it, it just felt it just it was just like I, I literally got my soul fed. So like to have a full crowd and a pop and just ever like WrestleMania could be terrible. But if you can hear that crowd and you can really feel it, it's gonna save the show. I mean, I feel like wrestlers, there's some wrestlers there that literally haven't performed in a crowd in over a year. I think they're gonna be emotional. 
I mean, I think some could walk out there and literally start crying. And it's going to be – everybody's going to feel it. It's going to be an emotional time, and uh, I can't wait. I mean, even – even imagine the fighters coming out at, at UFC and, and looking around and seeing everybody again and hearing them. Like, it's, it's going to – and and Rogan being able to go in there and do the interviews and not from – uh, opposite screens and you know from zoom or whatever like you he'll be in there with them and it just we're getting close you can feel it and it's a it's an exciting time and hey you know texas is opened up fully and raw tickets are for june 30th like we might have a shot i don't know but we might have a shot so i hope i hope i'm able to go yeah and i mean i don't want to talk about this right now because getting late, but we'll talk about it on a future show. I'll, I'm probably going to be live at uh, Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. So, um, so I'll, I'm going to go. I mean, if I, I, someone told me that apparently I'm going to have a ticket for the show. So like if, if, they, I, I, if I, if I don't have to pay to go, I'll go, I'll put it that way. If I don't have to pay to be there, I'll go. Um, I mean, the experience alone. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people with like music stuff and, Frank Mir doesn't have it. He has, he's fighting some bum now that Antonio Tarver pulled out. So I, that's going to be terrible. But, um, but yeah, just for the experience alone. And dude, if Askren can somehow beat Jake Paul live, that is going to be dope. You're going to see people's heartbreak everywhere in there. And then you can mark out because you knew <laughs> it was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so like I'm looking forward to doing that, like as a fan with the crowd soon, and and you know regardless of everything that I've said about the WWE today, you know with like them having you know a show that I think is for kids, and now I'm not you know I don't like their their booking and I don't like their stories, and I just don't watch the show that much anymore. If they get fans back and they kick it up into another year, and the stories get better and the matches get better and like they're motivated and the crowd can get into it. I can have my mind changed. Like it, it, it isn't like I'll never be one of those people. Like I'm a WWE fan, whether I like the company currently or not, I'll always be a lifelong fan of the WWE to some degree, no matter what. So I'm always hoping for their success. Bill and I were like at our peak of hating them. We still went to shows. You know what I mean? Like exactly. I was disgusted. I would see fans and their signs and just be like, I don't want to be here. This is vomit. But I went just in case they decided to have like a decent show. But I mean, I stopped going to Raw's and SmackDown's live. I mean, before it was like when I lived in Kansas, anytime they come, I'm going. You know what I mean? But yeah. now it's like if you bring a pay-per-view, I'll probably go. That's the way I view it. Um, especially now. If they brought a pay-per-view, I would definitely go. But but even me and Bill have talked about this and like at the end of the day, and I think one of the big flaws about like RVD Tito for life, when I think it, it got us popular though, right? But at the end of the day, we became so anti-WWE and pro-TNA that we ignored a lot of good stuff. And we, we just know wrestling in general. And we didn't talk about a lot of stuff that we should have. And we didn't promote a lot of stuff that we should have. And so – you know, if Bill does come back, if that's the direction that we decide to go, it's going to be much more about what's good in wrestling and not necessarily what's bad, who's the enemy, all this stuff. If it sucks, it sucks. Like like Fastlane, call it out. Stuff was garbage. If stuff was good, we'll say it. But like 
we're not here to draw sides with anything. We're not even here to draw sides with AEW and say we're on AEW 100%. If they start to suck, then we'll call it out. Like at the end of the day, that's the way I view it. So that that's pretty much how I feel. Um, I think it's a good time to wrap this up. I really appreciate everybody for being in the chat. Um, uh, it's been awesome. We've kind of established this weekly every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Come in here, chat with us about wrestling. Um, there seems to always be something to talk about. And like I said, Bill and I are currently in discussions about what we're going to do with the future. And uh, I, I don't think that you've seen the last of Bill. I can't promise you anything, but I, I think that we're going to work something out. And uh, I'm excited. Like I said, this is like kind of like the last shot, I guess you would say but the most easiest way that we could ever done this is now available to us. So it motivates me to keep it going. It motivates me to grow this channel. And I really want your guys feedback. If you can leave comments at the bottom of what you guys want from this channel, what do you want to see? What do you want to see Bill and I together? Do you want to see just videos from Bill? Do you want to see just videos from me? Do you want to see, live chats with Bill and Steven. Like, how do you want to do this? Um, I'm up to suggestions. What kind of topics do you want us to talk about? Um, Things like that. Because at the end of the day, I want to make this work. I want the channel to work. I want, I want to, I want to mainly be a honest opinion about what is going on in professional wrestling. No PC, no uh, sugar coating, just the raw, honest opinion of what I think, because I don't think you get that in a lot of places. And I think that we can be an alternative to a lot of YouTube people out there. They're afraid to say things they are afraid to speak their mind, um, not be offensive, not go after people and call them names and do all that stuff, but literally give our opinions. And if it's going to hurt people's feelings, then so be it, because that's what life has been like this entire time and nothing is going to change. So appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate y'all joining us again today. If y'all want to watch some independent pro wrestling this weekend, use my code on independentwrestling.tv. It's code Fight Talk, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K. Just put that in the the uh, promo code spot on the website, and don't you put don't put a space. Just Fight Talk is one word. You'll get five free days on independentwrestling.tv. You can follow me on Twitter at Fight Talk underscore. I'll I'll keep everything I got going on updated on my Twitter. But um, I always do the Fightful Select Weekender podcast on Sundays. If anyone wants to listen to those, I talk indie wrestling and um, NWA since that's back now, Ring of Honor. They they have a show we didn't even talk about, but they've got their 19th yeah. anniversary show. That's right. Did they um, like a month ago or something? Yeah. I yeah. I forgot that they pre-filmed it too because like I was thinking that they were going to put the belt on Jay Lethal, and I think they still might, but now that it's pre – now remember that it's pre-taped, it, maybe they didn't. But anyway, regardless, um, yeah, I talk about all that stuff on the Fightful Select Weekender podcast every Sunday. And with Impact Wrestling moving to Thursdays, um, I think the plan – I haven't talked to them, but I think the plan is to do the Twitch streams – on, I mean, we were doing them on Tuesdays. We'll do them on that this next Tuesday, and then I think we'll move them to Thursdays so we can do the the Impact Watch Alongs, and that will just set myself and Doug back just a couple minutes on Thursday nights because I'll do the Watch Along for Impact Wrestling for Twitch, um, for uh, for Fightful, and then right after that we'll come live on this channel. So shouldn't really affect this at all. But uh, if y'all want to follow the stuff that I'm doing, then uh, 
those are the, the places to do it and to support me at. Yeah, and last thing, like this video if you haven't. Share it out. Subscribe. Do all that fun stuff. Like I said, I appreciate all you guys' support, and we'll see you next week.